what the fuck is up everybody we're coming to you for the first time in the rock with us podcast history we're coming to you live we know that it's been something that a lot of people have been saying a lot of jose and i have also wanted to do that but as you guys know jose and i we live our lives we live our we live our lives accordingly and uh sometimes you know distance gets in the way of that but we're really gonna we're gonna try and make this something of a regular Right now we're recording out of Jose's place of business. Jose, what's up, my brother? What's going on, Timmy? We've got the smell of paella in the air. Empanadas. Hot, hot week of sports behind us, and another one ahead of us. Life is good, dude. I I love like, dude. We got to do this more. Like, I fucking I love. I'm looking. So we're we're for those of you who don't know, we're recording this on Zoom just because it's easier for us to edit and everything. But I'm like, um, we're looking at each other. Both of our computers are muted. We're on Zoom staring at each other, recording with microphones in a restaurant. At, at the bar of Sangria 71. And let, that, let that sink in right there. We're looking out the window to people who could potentially walk by. It's also, it's 11 o'clock at night. So I think, I think the idea of people walking by is, is probably, hopefully less, because I don't want people looking and being like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? I was, set, yeah. I was setting up here for the first half hour before, because I, I, I had to shut down the business. And I was Gotta just be careful there. with the... What of it? You got to be careful with the Karens in the in the Bridgeview Yacht Club walking their dogs late at night around the King Collins Shopping Center. Nah, nah, man, I'm, I'm scared. While at it, shout out Papa Jose watching us from security cameras. Uh, got our first live viewer. Absolutely. Is he actually? I don't know. He said he might be. <laughs> <laughs> if he I actually have no idea. If he is, hopefully he's watching. Hey, Mr. Fernandez, but thank you for letting us use. Thank you for letting us use the shop. He was hyped for it. I, I, dude, I'm hyped, for, I'm hyped for him. Dude, your family's been like, my mom and my dad have been like, eh, they like my shout out mom and dad. If you guys do by chance listen to this, you know, I, I've gotten like the, hey, you can't curse, but I've also gotten like the, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to it before the end of the week. So the reluctancy <laughs> in the voice, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, I'll the, listen to it. Listen, I, you know, Ed, he plans things six months in advance. If it's not in his calendar now, it won't be in his calendar until like July. So, Right, you know, it is what it. But Ed, he works harder than me. Um, Anyone who's listening at this point is a real one, though. Absolutely, a lot of people listened in the beginning, the first episode, the second episode. We got a lot of courtesy likes, a lot of courtesy listens. Anybody who's still with us after three or four weeks, anybody who's still rocking us, you you somehow, some way, shape, or form, like our disorganized personality that we bring to the table every week absolutely and and you're here because you're exactly like you said you're leaning with it and you're rocking with you're it rocking with us. uh yeah as i said i mean uh, i i say this at the beginning of every episode i feel more inclined to say now we appreciate the fuck out of you guys for listening to us and rocking with us um you know we i personally would like to hear more from you guys on instagram you know we don't get a ton of that shout out vicky vicky's the only one who still consistently gives us that tl jose Doing, doing well. Um, no, just, we, we want to hear from you guys. Like, we want to hear, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? I know Spotify. I'm, we're working on Spotify. Spotify has had his hands up with, uh, with has had his hands full with, uh, with Neil's Lockery and, uh, and Neil Young and Joe Rogan. And, you know, they've been busy. They've been busy. They haven't gotten back to me. But I promise you, we're working on it. We know that YouTube is not exactly the greatest platform for us to do this on. But it's, it's what's given us our start. But uh, I promise you guys, Spotify, it's on the way. We got a very packed show. We got a very packed show. I feel like it's going to go over. It's going to go over the hour and 23 that we've consistently done since then. Just because me and Jose, like, I'm, 
I've been doing. We've been on for I don't know how long. I've had a smile on my face the entire time just because I'm I'm hyped for this. Like we're gonna have a conversation back and forth, definitely. Um, we got someone to talk to talk about. Uh, obviously, the AFC and the NFC Championship games. Those they were in great games. But the biggest of them all, I mean, Tom Brady, is he retired? Is he not? We're going to get into all things NFL. We're not going to do projections for a Super Bowl just because we have too early for it. And also, we need it. We need stuff. Not for nothing. Like, let's just be real about it. We need content for show for the show next week. We need content for the show next week. So, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hold off on projections. Um, and then we're going to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, Rocket, what happened then? Did were they deserving? Were they not? We don't know. And we're also going to talk some NBA. Jose has some. Jose has some questions. Trouble in paradise. Trouble, trouble in uh, trap. Trap. Uh, I can't speak today. Trouble in Brooklyn. Is James Harden's hand really as fucked up as he says it is? We're going to discuss it all. It's me, Jose, and you guys. Jose, you got anything? The only thing I got, Tim. I want to say this is pretty cool, man. We're do we're doing this. We, we recorded a few episodes in test run, right? Trial mode. Right. In my, before, in my office. Before the subscription kicked in, right? We had that one week free trial where we were just testing out whether or not we even wanted to put any content out there. And now here we are. Episode four. four episode four. Four weeks later, recording our first live show in person. I know. I mean, it's baby steps, right? Yeah. This is all, we're in our infancy stages. We're, we're enjoying the shit out of what we're doing. This is what it's all about right here. And on top of that, like you said, we had another sick week of, uh, of football. We got a lot to talk about. I mean, let's get cracking, man. Without further ado, why don't you hit the music? Give the people what they want. All right. Let's rock with it. Hit the music. All right, let's hit it. So in the interest of, 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 of being truthful with you guys, Jose can never hear when we do the music. So I admitted that last week. You admitted that last week. <laughs> and this week, it turned around to bite you in the ass because you couldn't hear it either. That's where I was going, yeah. But and I have I know the, that I because the, I'm sitting right here watching you awkwardly bump to music. Just like I was. Listen, man, I made that. No music I'm the reason that I'm the reason we get demonetized the minute that it goes up because I'm the one that that made the I'm the one that made the intro. But I have the timer like on my laptop, so I can see I can see it going around the thing. So I like kind of knew who we were at that time. All right, let's get the fuck into it, man. I like I I said at the beginning I want to I want to start with I think the biggest probably the biggest headline of the weekend. No, I'm not talking about the AFC and NFC Championship games. Tom Brady almost retired. In a sense, we're starting at the end here. Exactly. The potential end of an era. Exactly. Pun intended, right? Absolutely. So, as you guys know, it was wildly reported, I believe, Saturday. Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. Because I remember we were driving through the snow. Shout out to the Northeast. We got absolutely hammered with snow. But um, Tom Brady, it was reported by Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington that Brady was done. 22 years, 22 years of fantastic career, the greatest of our generation. Uh, he was going to hang up his cleats, or so we thought. So the th- I was listening to Pat McAfee today. 
the biggest thing that made this that made this legitimate. So Jeff Garlington is apparently in Brady's camp. He's considered a trusted confidant, not necessarily of Brady, but of Brady uh, of the TB12 company camp, whatever we want to call it for the, for Brady. So that's what made this spread. So. I just, I, 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 believed I believed it because Adam Schefter reported it. Adam Schefter very rarely gets things wrong. I fucking hate Adam Schefter, and this is another reason to hate him. He dropped an atom bomb. I, like, it, like, it was so legitimate. Like, I said this to you. I said this to you, and I said this to Depp, and I was like, dude, what the actual fuck? Like, he is human. Uh, and we saw posts all over Instagram, people saying thank you to Tom Brady. 82,000 passing it. yards. Like, Yeah. Right. You, you saw a guy who literally just led the league in several major passing categories just decide, you know what, I'm, I'm done. And for anybody else, that would have been very shocking. But for a 44-year-old quarterback? You, you, saw, you saw him play a quarterback this year in Zach Wilson, who is exactly the same age as his career, as Tom right. Brady's career. Like, we saw things we never thought we would see. Calvin Johnson is a perfect example. In Tom Brady's career, Calvin Johnson has been drafted, played, retired, and elected to the Hall of Fame all within Tom Brady's career. The guy's, oh, played, shit. The guy's played a very long time. So, like, the idea of him retiring is just something that I think people tease. I will openly admit, I know that I've said this on the pod before, I hate Tom Brady in the sense that I know he's the greatest. I almost, like, I was sitting in, I was sitting in a car. On that Saturday, I'm like, holy shit, I took this for granted. I may never see Tom Brady throw another touchdown or just be Tom Brady. And I was yeah. like, fuck, I fucked up. Tom Brady's kind of a guy who, see, he seemed timeless. He kind of felt like an Ichiro. He seemed like Somebody a guy who's been around who learned how to beat the system. So long. Yeah. And now with advanced science, medicine, you know, Tom Brady's been preaching the TB12 brand. Viability is, yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the truth to your longevity. It's the secret to having a long and fruitful career. Right. And, and it spans across several sports, right? Because you see guys like LeBron, uh, Tom Brady, obviously. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Uh, and these guys are playing well past and beyond their primes, quote unquote, but they're actually still putting up the same stats that they were putting up when they were 10 years younger. Like Brady's in. Brady was I, I, I still believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP. Brady's like right on him in terms of in terms. It was Brady's award to lose until like the last two or three weeks of the season. Right, the narrative shifted really quick. Right, it became Aaron Rodgers back to back MVP, and it's inevitable. He might even be unanimous. I think he won't be unanimous. We could get into that another time, but I don't think he's unanimous. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. He shouldn't be. But my point being that it was it was Brady and then the field for right. the longest part of the season. And then out of nowhere, Aaron Rodgers just kind of stepped in. Right. Obviously, that's not what we're focusing on right now. We're no. focusing on Brady and potentially retiring. So, Brady, I mean, who can really say where we stand with all this, right? Because we all had the, oh, shit, it's actually happening. Today is the day that Tom Brady will go to football is going to retire. And then just a few hours later, it was like, but wait, there's more. So, again, I, I heard this on the Pat McAfee show. He, he has Ian Rappaport on for once a week for rap, 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 
like we said, Jeff Darlington, he is a trusted confidant of Brady as Jose gets up to go behind the bar because it's how the fuck we're going to do it. There's going to be a lot of this going on. Um, so Brady, I'm sorry, Brady doesn't let a lot of people in. He's been hosting his own. Um, he's been hosting his own podcast as his form of media uh, media availability. He used to have a show back in Boston. That's kind of since dissipated. It hasn't done anything in Tampa. It's been strictly his. Um, it's been strictly his podcast. Jeff Darlington is kind of someone who's gotten a look behind the camera, uh, behind the curtain to see how it is. Again, that's what made it legitimate. I know I've said it six different times. Allegedly, the story is this: Brady this season, this all season, he. It, it, it sounds like the reports were legitimate. Like he is planning retirement. But allegedly, the thing behind it, he ha- Jose turned me on to Man in the Arena. I'm not. I, I'm a hermit. Oh, you watched? I watched some of it. This is breaking news to me. I, but I've been talking about it for the last four or five weeks. Right. But you never even expressed interest in it. I didn't. I'm a hermit, dude. I don't try new things. I try new things when they're old. When they're considered old. But here's the thing. Yeah, I'm going to drop this to you. Brady apparently was planning on going out with the last episode of Man in the Arena. Apparently, it's apparently it's. There's an episode in the works. He acknowledged that after the, the wild card weekend. It's supposedly the playoffs. Allegedly, this is all alleged. This is Ian Rapport, Ian Rapport reported this. Allegedly, that was Brady. That was Brady's. I'm retired. I'm done with football. I'm ready to retire. Moment. So this is something that he manifested from the beginning then, because this man in the arena series has been planned for the, at least the last several months, if not maybe a year. Or so. Right. So uh, apparently since Brady has moved to Tampa, obviously we've seen that he's been happier. He's learned that there is more passion in life than just football. Like he was a football player. He is a football player in his head. That's the only thing that made sense to him. He well, went to, he just dropped the Brady brand. He, he's got his clothing line. He's, he's got his. He's found more love, and he's found like, yo, like my kid. This is like the most critical time with my kids, and that's what's kind of been like, yo, like I don't. He used to say he would play to lose fifty. That's what kind of made him be like, yo, like I don't, I I don't see this going anywhere. But Schefter, that prick, that weasel, got a hold of like. Yo, this Yo, is because Schefter and Schefter Darlington, they're both ESPN guys. So odds are they knew what they knew what the story was behind it of like this is where he's saying they just go up and like I, I'm not a reporter, I never want to be a reporter. I, I guess I can maybe in some way see like as a reporter, you can't not report that, but at the same time, like. Like, like fuck, fuck you. you. Like, like if you, if that, that if this, this is how the greatest of all time wants, wants to go out, out like, like fuck off. Like, like don't like don't, don't take this from him. Hey, you know what? This sounds very strategically planned. Absolutely. But before the show, you were comparing it to like the LeBron decision thing. Mm-hmm. The LeBron decision thing felt like a shit show from the get go, and it felt like it was unplanned and borderline just like. Fuck it, let's just do it live. Let's wing it on the air, you know? This feels like it was strategic. We're going to take it episode by episode. And it's funny you mentioned this. It all makes sense now because now I'm, I'm like... I, I I'm fought like, like hell not to tell you head. this before the show. I, I fought like hell not to tell you this. <laughs> right, and I'm going through my head and I'm like, oh my God, I remember hearing an interview with Tom Brady two weeks ago, maybe, I think it was, where he was saying that they were going to be recording the week of the wild card playoff uh-huh. if it wasn't for them having to play that weekend. 
So they were planning, I think he signed up for two more episodes, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it's so his thing. People, I think ESPN will give him as much as he wants. Right. So they, they have nine episodes in the book, right. and it hasn't been released in the last two weeks. So I was wondering, where's the 10th episode? Why isn't it coming out yet? Then I heard that from Brady. We're, we're recording Wild Card Weekend, or we were planning on recording this weekend because we thought we were going to have a buy. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me this news that he's actually planning on using that as his farewell or his ode to football in order to I, hang up the cleats or whatever the fuck it is. But I feel like, uh, I, I feel like that's too predetermined. What if this thing were to go to the Super Bowl? What if he were to keep on playing? Would you have recorded during this week that we now have between the conference championships and the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Or, Dude, I think, he, listen, I think he's at peace. I truly do. I think I think him leaving New England and him leaving like the constant grind of like there are no days off. I re- like he like he he obviously didn't but like moving to Tampa was like his way of taking himself out while still doing it. Like right. and like let him enjoy his life and he's like like he he's been on his grind. He was on his grind for 20 years in New England. I'm not saying anything with but he like Tampa made him stop, and Tampa made him like, oh, shit, like, you know, I have a wife, I have kids, I have, between me and my wife, I have $650 million. And he stressed that after the divisional round, Absolutely. right? He said, I have to talk to Giselle, because Giselle doesn't like to see me get hit. Right. I have to talk to my kids, because I'm missing a huge part of them growing up. And also, and like, his, kid, his kids aren't young. Though. Like, his kids are, like, I think his oldest kid's, like, 12. I think he has a 12, 10, and maybe an 8-year-old. I think somewhere right. in that neighborhood, like his, like, I, I, I don't want to say like he was retired the minute he went to Tampa, but I think he went to Tampa to like find answers for himself. Well, this is, you got to remember, this is a man who kisses his kids and his father on the lips at 44 years old. So if he's doing that, it means that he deeply cares about them and he values and respects their opinions. Right. So I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't smell any bullshit. There's nothing showing up on my bullshit radar right now. But I, I, I'd be surprised if this is the way he goes out. Just because knowing Tom Brady from a fundamental standpoint as a football player. And as a competitor. As a competitor, exactly. Period. Not, let's forget all the family and all the, you know, extra stuff that's going on behind the scenes away from the football field for a second. This guy just got crushed against the Rams with a borderline super team that he had to a potentially better super team. Yeah. I think that the, the perspective that I took coming out of the game last week was he might try and leave to join a team that has a better chance to win. Not that he might retire because I see seven Super Bowls. That's an odd number to me. Seven Super Bowls is not a nice round number that I would think that Tom Brady, the competitor would want to hang up his cleats to. I think that, I think that, or I thought at least that this was going to be a chance for him to reassess and reevaluate where he wanted to go and potentially join a different team as opposed to just retiring altogether. So when the news broke, I was shocked. And when the news broke the second time that he might not actually be retiring, I was like, you know what? I believe it. I believe that this is bullshit. I believe that this isn't how he wanted to go out. I was more susceptible to believing that than to, to believing that he was actually going to retire. So I was with you until you said that he was going to, that, that he could leave. I thought he, he moved his, he moved his family from new England to Tampa. They just bought a house. Like I really, I don't, I don't see them leaving again. 
I don't see him not taking his family with him to. I don't. I don't see him not taking his family with him to uh, to any any city that he goes to. I think if there's one thing that I think Brady Brady, like we said, he's a fierce competitor. He like he he knows he's the best and wants everyone else to believe that. I weirdly think I could be wrong. I could be hundred percent wrong. I weirdly think this will make him think like fuck. Schefter and Darlington. Darlington. I don't want to say he was a member of the family, but Darlington was a guy, again, I, I can't trust him, he's like one of the few guys Brady's let in. The fact that Darlington was attached, and Darlington reported this, like he was he was attached to the reporting with Chef. He could feel slighted enough that he might go, that even like Zell would be like, knowing him being like, go, go back one more year. Get it all out of your system, and then you're done. That's what I'm thinking. Grim Reaper status I, right now, just right? Just to fuck Schefter fuck and these guys. They blew up my spot. They blew up my chance. That potential revenue from from the streaming service that was going to air this this th- episode, and now just to spite you all, I'm going to go out there, win a Super Bowl, and then I'm going to retire, announcing it on the field as the confetti's falling down on me, Giselle, and all my kids. He has so much money as it is. I get where you're going with the revenue, with the revenue stream of it. I, he has so much money as it is. I don't think it's about money. I think it's literally just about him writing his own story. It's about legacy. It's about legacy. It's about him writing his own story. Ending on his own terms. Right, yeah. exactly. I could I I think he doesn't go back without Gronk. I'm I'm like pretty certain of that. Well, you saw Gronk said that if you asked him today, he'd say he's retired. Right, right? And I think, but I think that's what a lot of NFL players would say after a lo- after a long season, like that. right, like you, you, that, that was what that that would have been what week eighteen, week nineteen. They what? they played they played they played eighteen week they played eighteen. They had eighteen weeks this year. They had seventeen games. Then they played the Eagles. They won. That was the eighteenth game. Rams was the nineteenth game of the season. Correct. Game, yes. Week was one week, more. Not, obviously, yeah. not week. Just, just the amount of games played. I think right. after, after 18 games, I think, yeah, uh, 19 games, you ask anybody, and they're like, I'm never playing this fucking sport again. I think I think that's why you see most... Especially like, a vet who had retired already at one point. Right, totally exactly. And it's like... And Gronk's a doofy dude. He's going to tell you the honest to God truth. I think that's why they all, all, they all get on the plans at the end of the offseason. They all go to these islands for two months. And they're like, yeah. just fuck, just like fuck off. Take like Gronk has his girlfriend, Camille Costic. Right. Uh, Brady has his family. They all get on a plane. They go. Brady goes to Costa Rica, and they're just like, leave me the fuck off. So I think, I, I think Gronk would take take some convincing. But if Gronk doesn't come back, I don't know that Brady comes back. So I was listening to, I listened to a lot of ESPN ninety eight point seven. Shout out my boy Jake Lapidus who was one of my old fraternity brothers who's actually a producer for them now. I hear him on the air every now and then nice. late at night. It's pretty cool. I'm going to turn into uh, Rockless one day. He might be following. I have to take a look. <laughs> anyway, my point is I was listening to Alan Hahn and Bart Scott. Ah. Hahn and can't wait, <laughs> Bart Scott. Um, and they were saying that this just might be – I didn't know the details that you just mentioned. Okay. So, again, this is me kind of piecing in – the pieces to the puzzle after the fact that now that I actually know. So they, he was saying that the better narrative would not have been to take away from championship weekend. If you're Tom Brady, the better narrative would have been to write it in the week between the Super Bowl and the conference championship and use this whole week as a Tom Brady 
celebration party. So announce it now, take the whole week before the Super Bowl. We play the Super Bowl, the season's over. Tom Brady rides off into the sunset with, you know, Giselle and his kids on the wagon with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of makes sense to me now. I feel like I am on Code Red. Tom Brady's going to come out any day now, and he's going to say, you know what? It's true. I was planning on retiring. This is how I was going to do it. Um, Schefter and Darlington. Darlington are assholes. They leaked my shit before I wanted it to be put out there. And now this is me trying to take control, take ownership of my situation. And I'm going to put it out there now for all you guys as a last minute Hail Mary type of thing. In the end, however he retires, if he retires this year, the only way his legacy, not his legacy is saved. That's too harsh. It's tainted if this is how he goes out. Because, the, because of how the news was leaked. His legacy is not. His legacy is fine. You know, he's still the mm-hmm. quarterback of all time. Right. The way that he went out, it would feel tainted in my mind if this is how he lets it go down. I almost feel like he should feel obligated to give us one more year just so he can go out on his own terms. Whether that's announcing before the year, this is my year, I'm retiring after, regardless of what happens, or if he just springs this on us at the end of the 2022 season. That's up to him. I I disagree with you, and I know we gotta we gotta get on to the next topic. I know we talked about this a lot, but I almost feel like if he does that, like the NFL media and the NFL media fans, they'll turn on Darlington and fucking uh, they'll, they'll turn on Darlington and they'll turn on Schefter because they're the ones that ruin this. Like 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 like, like, listen, like oh, I think that bridge has been burned. No, no, I'm not. I'm not just saying you that. 100. Yeah. But I think that if he comes out and he's like, "Listen, I had this whole thing set up. I was going to go out on my own terms, and these two ruined it." I don't yeah. think that that taints anything. I, think, I still think everyone waves to Brady as he's on as he's on his chariot leaving, watching the greatest NFL quarterback leave. But people will be like, people will be like, if I ever see Adam Schefter, I will, as my best friend, I ask you to hold me, hold me, hold me accountable. If we ever see Adam Schefter anywhere other than here, where we, where I could potentially lose new revenue, if I ever see him, I'm gonna tell him he's a fucking prick for his face, and I'm gonna tell him that he, I'm gonna tell him that he's a piece of shit. Like he took, I agree with that. He took, away, he took away, like the one thing Brady wanted to do, and that's go out the right way. And now he can't effectively do that without playing another year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how it feels. I mean, it's, it would feel a little awkward. It would feel like you just broke up with your girl and now you're seeing at her at a bar a week later, single and free. Right. Right. It would feel like you don't, you want to say hi to her cause you still got some feelings. Right. But at the end of the day, she backstabbed you. Like I almost, did. Dude, I almost feel and it's like, like, it's and it's like a couple of years from now, okay, fine. We can all just get over it and marvel at Tom Brady's storied career. Right. But right now, in this moment, for the next couple of months, at the very freaking least, you got to be like, dude, I almost feel like it's deeper than that. I almost they wanted they wanted clickbait. At the end of the day, that's what they were searching they for. Want, and they 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 didn't want to let the story slip to somebody else, dude. I this is my last take they on. Wanted it. to be the one to break. This is my last take on, it, and then I know we got to go. I think I think once this isn't seeing your ex out at a bar. This is fine. This is finding your girl in bed with someone who you fucking work with, thinking that like you know, or not even like, like I'll say I'll say Darlington was a member of Brady's family for all intents and purposes in this, in this uh, hypothesis. 
this is like this is like finding a girl in bed with your cousin. Like it's just like a, like bro, like you're my family. You're not supposed to be fucking doing this. And now you just fuck you, you just fuck me essentially right. better yourself. Right. Like, and you know what? These are these are guys that Brady's been around for 22 years. Right. So he, I mean, I would almost guarantee, and I don't know for sure, obviously, that he doesn't have the same personal relationships with them. No. But at the end of the day, you've been around each other. You've at least been in the same industry to at least have some respect, especially since he's the GOAT. Also, like, it's you just don't a, turn around and stab the goat in the back. You know what happens when you stab a goat in the back? He you eats, get the horn. He eats you. Tim, you get the horn. Dude, I just, like, I don't know. I feel like we, we, we've been going around in circles with this. My bottom line is, is it, like, like, fuck Adam Schefter, fuck Jeff Darlington. And I think, I, dude, you and me are going to be sitting here, hopefully here, because this is actually a very nice setup. I think, what, uh, you, what's LVI? What's LVI? Vegas, dude. No, Super Bowl LVI. What Roman numeral is that? 50, 56. 56? All right. You heard it here first. Tampa Bay, don't – I'm sorry, it's not Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, don't know what team he's going to be on, what uniform he's going to be wearing. God, I love you. I love Super you. Super Bowl 57. There you go. Okay. I thought you were, talking, I thought you were going to say Super Bowl 56 was next week. I was going to be – next month. No, no, no. 57. Tom Brady's hoisting that trophy, and he's going to go out that way. Okay, I, th- I it's, that's my hot take based on this information. I agree. I think that this is like this is like the Rogers story last offseason, where it was the only thing anybody talked about. Until something comes out on this, this is going to be the only thing in the front of people's mind. Like, after, like obviously, after like the Super Bowl happens, it's going to be the only thing NFL people actually give a shit about, besides the Aaron Rodgers story. Right. All right. Holy shit! That was a, that was awesome. I think I, I I agree. Everyone has been saying that like we need to. That was the introduction, the body, and the conclusion. Right everyone there. has been saying like we need to do this in person. I agree with you wholeheartedly because this was just maybe the best topic. This is the best discussion. Hope y'all got the patience to sit through this. Absolutely. I. All right. On to the next thing. All right. So so we're gonna recap championship weekend right now. We're gonna get into some shit from the Chiefs and the Bengals and then the Rams and the and the Niners. Before we do that, I put a poll on, on Instagram yesterday yeah, I saw that. about who's going to win the Super Bowl based on yesterday's results, Bengals versus Rams. Dude, we got like 25 people who responded to that. Nice. Pretty solid people. Absolutely. Thank you to I all 25 of them. one of those people, I'd be lying if I said I didn't vote twice from <laughs> two out of my three Instagram accounts. But 23, you know, I'll still take that. So 22. Uh, one of them's my fiance. No, me. Twenty-two. Okay. Uh, Twenty-one. <laughs> but all right, we got twenty plus. We're old enough to drink with twenty-one. There we go. Twenty-one voters on that poll. There we so go. Shout out to everyone who took care of that for us. Uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. We want more participation in the future. Like we okay. said, we're going to talk. We're going to talk projections next week, but we're going to recap this. Yeah. So let's take it in order, right? We started off at Arrowhead yesterday, three o'clock kickoff, which I was I was upset about. Because I, I, saw, I saw some, I think you might be, I, we haven't talked about this, but I think you might be going to the same place with this. Maybe not. I saw a kickoff 3.30 on my app. And, I, and then I, I so I'm not crazy. 3.30. And I, when I turned on the stream on CBS, they were already done with the first. Dude, play. I fucked two I people. Fuck I fucked two people over yesterday because I told them the thing was at 3.30. Chief Casey and, and Captain Randall, if you listen to this, just that I fucked you guys over completely with it, dude. I I thought it was three thirty. So it wasn't just me. No, it was, that's what I, I just said. I'm not crazy a, now thinking this. There must have been a network issue. CBS so this this is really the second. This, I don't know. This is the second time in twenty four. I'm in forty eight hours that like I've been fucked by scheduling. 
So Friday night, they retired Hank's, Hank's jersey at, at MSG for the Rangers. Shout yeah. out Hank, my, one of my childhood heroes for the Rangers. God bless you. Thank Shout you. out the Wild for completely Go disrupting that. Go Rangers by a million, except the only thing that was lost was a million dollars. We lost on a bad fucking call to that ref. I don't want to know his name because I'll fucking run him down. We'll talk about you that. Know, you know Listen, let me, say, when, let me say what's good. Let me say what's good. When I'm listening to hockey on my car ride home from here, you know it's bad. Just say Don LaGreca on the call. Don LaGreca is a legend of a human, but that's a whole other. I love LaGreca so much. All right, no, but either way, hey, my point is I had planned. I went with Tor, and I went with my buddy from the firehouse and his girlfriend. Big Ed got me into Wolfgang Puck's Steakhouse at 10 o'clock, at 10 o'clock Friday, at 10 o'clock Friday night. I thought the game was at 7. The game online, it said it was 7 every day. I get a call at 3.30 on Friday afternoon. Hey, man, did you see that the game got pushed to 8? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I go to my app. Game starts at 8 o'clock. I'm like, no, I've been looking at this. It's saying it's staying at 7 the entire time. Dude, Dude, I was I was, I was disheveled. I was, and then and another then kid from the firehouse, a guy who I will not mention because I'm still fucking mad. At he puts he out an army. Pisano. No, it's not Pisano. Pisano's in Miami. Shout out Pisano in Miami. Uh, that's right, that's right. He's not. Pisano will know who I'm talking about. And Pisano will be being like that fucking guy because he know again he knows exactly who I'm talking about. The guy puts in the buff group, which started like our chat. He's like, hey, guys, I don't know if you guys saw this, but with the impending snow, the MTA is going to be suspending service at 8 o'clock tonight. And it's an 8 o'clock game on New York. I live on Long Island. The fucking train. Yeah. I could have killed him. I have a story. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, how I learned this because I don't want to get the person jammed up. The person had to make a call. As, like, as, like, the person had to make a call to figure out how, like, where the trains were going. He finds out that no decision had been made. And shockingly enough, and, and LIRR never shut down. Like I was like ready to kill this kid because I was like able to make it out that I like the, the trains worked and thank God I got there and back. It was it, it was just such a pain in the ass. And then to have the, that fucking game closing on a horrible call like that. But yeah, that was two times this weekend that I got fucked over by the schedule without even knowing. It. Yeah, I agree. Like some, I don't know what the hell it was. I don't know where I saw, it, but I still I thought that game was at three thirty on Sunday morning on Sunday afternoon to start. I did too. I did too. And I was helping Enrique move yesterday. Uh, we were in okay. house kitchen yesterday. Yep. Um, moved him from Greenpoint over to there. And I was sitting comfortable in the car. I was driving. Uh-huh. Normally, if I know I got to get somewhere, I'm the first one to put a little extra light on that gas pedal. Right. But I'm cruising down Queens Boulevard thinking I got all the time in the world. Shit, I might even take Maisie for a walk before kickoff. Right. I'm glad I didn't because by the <laughs> time I sat down on the sofa and I hooked up, I don't have cable, so I got to hook up my live stream from my laptop to my TV with an HDMI cord and change the input. I'm making it sound a lot harder than it actually is. Point being, when I got into it, there was two minutes left in the first quarter. It was a 7-3 ball game. Right. Don't ask how we got there, but that's where we were. I couldn't and tell you how we got there. From there, Tim, we had a whole nother ball game. We had a lot left to enjoy. <laughs> I was happy about that. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, it did throw me for kind of a loop. And it, right. It definitely on the edge of my seat wondering what was going to happen with the later game too right so let's get into it i mean joe burrow versus patrick mahomes and 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 Brittany lynn and jackson mahomes obviously we'll talk about them in a little another time uh going into this game i like it was a seven and a half they were giving kansas city seven and a half points like that vegas was not in on joe burrow's side and i don't and i get it like joe burrow he's he's in his he's in his second year 
Joe, Joe that, that fucking guy, guy is going to be how I call him. I, I get it going in. It's only his second year. You're going into you're going into Patrick Mahomes' house in Kansas City, one of the loudest stadiums in the in the in the league. A team that's been to four straight championship games. Yeah, and like a, a season team, a season won the defense. Super Bowl two years ago. I uh, you know you, I get why it was a seven and a half point spread. Once Depp sent me the picture of Joe Burrow walking in with the ice around his neck. Uh, I think I think that was a complete social media ploy. Oh, 100%. He should be, though. He should My be doing man, it. And you saw you saw the side-by-sides of him with the rock, obviously. Yeah, I saw that, too. With the turtleneck. But that, that existed and the, and before. The ice on the neck. That existed before Saturday, uh, Sunday, though. The comparisons of them? Too? Yes. Not like the, like the picture side-by-side of that. Like, that picture had... That picture is predating the fit, that, the fit that Burrow wore was specifically to Sunday's game, no? With the turtleneck and the chain? The white, the, the white, the white turtleneck with the with the swoosh and the and the Joe Burrow logo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about the same thing. I thought we're talking I thought you're talking about the one with like the black with the black turtleneck with the blue jeans and the hair. No, I'm talking about the one with the glasses, the indigo glasses. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was a rock. That was Sunday. I, no, I know that. I didn't know that was a rock comparison. Is my point. Well, it went viral side by side of him, the rock and him with when the rock was super young, and even the rock like commented. Okay. I forgot, I forgot what he said, but basically like just you know. But it, that Joe Burrow's the man. Anyway, we're not even talking about football. Right I know now. we got to get back to it. But so we we Jeff had sent that, me that picture, and the minute that I saw that, I'm like, Joe Burrow's gonna throw for five fucking touchdowns today. Yeah, and that's that was that was social media's reaction, right. by the way. Not to take away from Depp's take on it, but everyone on social media. We need to have Depp on the show. Bengals by a million. Bengals are going to blow out the Chiefs today. I don't care what the Chiefs have done in Arrowhead, and I don't care how high the decibels are among that fan base. The Bengals are going to win. Anyway, what we saw in that first half was not that. The no. Chiefs came out absolutely mopped them. I contemplated turning off the TV. I did too. I was I I was quoted as saying in and in, in the bar that I watched them, I was quoted as saying, "What time does the second game start?" Because yeah. I thought it was I thought it was over. I felt the same exact way, and it was and plus ten. It was plus ten thousand for them to come back on Fanduel. It was plus was ten thousand. Wow! And I looked at it. I, looked, I didn't even check. I looked at it. And I'm like, no, that's they're, how they're little pants I gave them. I didn't even check. They're in Kansas City. There's no way they're coming back from that. And I, one I, of the greatest home field advantages, right? I wouldn't have had to go to work. Kansas City's a hell of a place to play. And you have Patrick Mahomes. You have a lethal defense. You have Chris Jones. You have Melvin Ingram. You have Frank Clark. You have three out of the four scariest guys on the defensive line coming after you. Yes. And. and Oh, and, uh, and, and I think, I think Romo even said this on the show, uh, on the broadcast. The Bengals, they need offensive linemen help this offseason. So did you see what happened before the first half ended? Are you talking about how it ended? Like with with Tyree Kill and, and, and Mahomes? I did. And that, like... Did you think that that was going to be a pivotal play in this game? I, th- I, don't th- I didn't think it was going to be a pivotal play. I thought that it was going to be in their head of, like, fuck, did we, like, did we fuck up with that? Like, I thought, like, so then I guess by definition, yeah, it was a pivotal play. I did think it was a pivotal play. I think if, if what we know now, if we knew that that was going to happen in the moment, obviously it's a pivotal play because you need that. But in the moment when I was watching that, 
I wanted to be upset, right? Because Patrick Mahomes throws the ball to Tyree Kill. He should have never done that. No, he, he shouldn't. Have, he shouldn't have thrown it behind him. Right. He should have thrown it to the. You, you gotta lead. You gotta lead Tyreek on that. Exactly. You gotta throw it into the end zone. That way, if he drops the ball or if it's an incompletion of any sort, you have a chance to go and kick a field goal and at least get some points for, before the half. Right. Instead, he throws the ball. I don't know if it was behind the line of scrimmage. It was in the field of play. Tyreek had to. Tyreek had to turn around to grab it, yeah. and like tried to Tyreek his way into the end zone. Yeah. It just didn't work. And then the clock ran out. In the field of play, clock runs out. You get zero points instead of getting at least. Three. Right, and in that moment, I'm like, no sweat. You the still got you rolling the the Bengals. Right, you're gonna score another three or four touchdowns in the second half anyway, and we're gonna play. You know, we're gonna play this game, and it's just all gonna be gravy. And the and the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then the Super Bowl Chiefs by a million because there's nobody on the AFC side who can compete compete with them. Right, or the NFC side, excuse me. Um, I didn't realize how serious of a play that was gonna be. But that wound up being the difference in the game. That's what I think when when can't when uh, when Cincinnati was Cincinnati's defense stopped them and like they went. I, I think they went into halftime twenty-one to ten. I could be wrong with that. They, I, I'm pretty sure they went in twenty-one to oh, yeah. either twenty-one to three or twenty-one to ten. I think that was what kind of like gave Cincy like the yo. We stopped them at the goal line and they fucked up. These guys, that was the momentum. They're, they're humans. Like we can. That's where it started. That was going to be my point with. Like this. Joe, that's where the momentum. Joe Burrow has openly said, "Like yo, I'm, I don't get scared. I fucking believe, but I don't believe the other fifty-two guys on the team." Yeah. Like if they say that, go Look, ahead. I, st- I still think if you're starting a franchise today, you start with Patrick Mahomes. That's another argument, but we touched on it last week. So I just want to, I just want to let everyone know who's been consistent listening to this show that I'm still consistent with my thought process. And Patty Mahomes is still my guy. That's number one. However, however, I will say that I think that sometimes you take for granted having the best quarterback in the league on your team, and you take for granted how frequently he makes the best play possible for your team. And then that, when he does little stupid shit like that, running, or, but dude, you go, you go, I'm sorry. that's just so. That's not a football play. That's a cocky, pompous. I am the best at this. You cannot stop me, and even if you do, I will still win this game. And that's what came back to bite the Chiefs in the ass. Did you see the touchdown that he threw to Travis Kelsey? Yeah. The one where he ran around and he, like, wasted, like, 15 seconds and then throws it in case Kelsey's just sitting there? Sideline. Similar to the similar to the touchdown that won them against the the Bills, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and I think, I think Romo even made it a point to say that on the broadcast. I don't remember if Romo said that. I frankly I wasn't listening, but I like Mahomes is that guy. He like the way like the way that he ran around that defense and like bought himself an extra twenty seconds doing that, and then just casually throws a touchdown to Kelsey. Like he is that guy. He can be that cocky guy. Like he's allowed to be. Agreed. His brother is, which is a whole other issue. But like, but I would add, I would add a big fat asterisk when necessary. I think sometimes, like, especially towards the end of that game, He has to learn how to throw the ball. Away. He just started doing it just to do right. it. He didn't ha- I mean, I didn't – I don't see what the, the coverage is downfield. I didn't see if there were any receivers right. actually open and whether he's just bullshitting to bullshit or if it was necessary. But there was – at the end of the game, there was a solid two or three plays where he started scrambling around like a chicken without a head. That defensive lineman for the Bengals, I think his name is Henderson or Henriksen or something like that, right. where he 
Like Mahomes ran all over the back. We were watching it. We were watching it here before we start before we started. And he ran around completely. Like the guy like had to go to the sideline afterwards. He was, he was gassing, gassing. But Mahomes ran 20 yards back to only run back yeah. up and get back to get back to the line of scrimmage. Like I like he has to learn to throw the ball away. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But like their offense is known for being that flamboyant thing. You'll see you'll see Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill like come up under center and like, center and like call out the mic or call out you know call out a, a coverage or something and then run away and Mahomes comes right back in and takes it. Like Andy Reid allows. I don't want to bring Andy. Andy Reid is a no bullshit guy. No, I do want to bring Andy Reid into this because I think that he's the play caller. It's not the offensive coordinator, no, it's, right? Uh, it's it's a he is adamant that it's a combination of him and the enemy, which I think. I, I believe that, but I also think it's like a way of like selling the enemy to to to, to selling him to teams to teams to get a head coach from a position, which I think is bullshit which, that he's never gotten. He those. should have a job. Exactly, but, it's bullshit that he doesn't. But that's a, that's a different topic. We get about that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a complicated topic to talk about at some point in the off season. I think exactly, it's the right yeah. time to do that. But I, I think they're on the same page. Mahomes, the enemy, Reed. I think they all know. Okay, our greatest strength. Is not the game call. It's the our great strength. It's the improv. Did you see? Did you see the um, the mic'd up sound bites that they got from last week's game against with the Bills? Kelsey being like, "Yo, I'm not gonna run that play. I'm just gonna I'm gonna and run then, this." And then Mahomes at the line of scrimmage. Do it, Kelsey. Do, do it. it. Do it, Kelsey. Do it, Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> and then he does it, and they get the ball, and they right? Get the ball out, yeah. And just in time to kick the game winning or the tying field goal. Yeah. Send it to OT. Yeah, that has gotten the Chiefs to where they are because they have some of the greatest improv players in league history. But see now, there's there are two different types of improv. There's Johnny Manziel improv where you just running around and you fucking chuck it up right. there, or there's improv like that, like the Chiefs where it's skill and it's smart. Like Kelsey made Kelsey made that call out to be like, "Yo, I'm gonna go Michael Jordan this right now." He did that knowing what the defense, what the Bills' defense was doing. That's why he. That's why he made that play. He's like, "Yo, I can get 20 to 30 yards. You just gotta give it to me in space." And Mahomes saw that. Mahomes read the defense. He's like, "Yo, this will work." And that's when he told, told Kelsey to do it. So like, I'm with you to a certain extent on that. My thing is that can only get you so far. Maybe you can steal a championship doing which that. Which they did steal a championship doing that. Exactly, right. they did. But if you want to enter into the realm of Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the Patriots and that level of success, you're not going to get to that level of success that far because there are teams who are ex- executing their plays and their play script at a high level once you get to the playoffs. And I don't care if you're a wild card team like the, the Bengals were or if you're the number one seed like uh, who's the number one, the Titans or the Packers, were, right. right? And we, we all know obviously what happened to them and their game script, I would argue, is much less improv based than the Chiefs. You have to have a game plan so, because you have to realize that these defenses are game planning for you, right? They're, they're putting together tactical. You know, cover. Th- you have defense. You have defensive coordinators who, from April to June, lock themselves in their basement and do nothing right. but watch film of you. I agree with you on that. And for you to just go in there and say "fuck it, we'll do it live," that ain't gonna fly in the playoffs of the National Football League. It, it will fly to a certain extent, and it didn't. It didn't fly in Kansas City. Right. You can get away with one a game. The two a game. The, like the Travis Kelsey thing, that should have worked for you, but like. Doing that every play is just not going to work. I consider that different, though. 
that's Kelsey acknowledging what's happening on the field and saying they haven't been covering the seam. He literally said they haven't been covering the seam all game. Right. They run this coverage, and I see this team open. I'm running that route. He saw it at the line of scrimmage. Mahomes saw it at the line of scrimmage. They called, they called an audible. That's scripted. But what Mahomes did there at the end, just scrambling around, lobby dotty, trying to find somebody else, that tells me that they didn't have a solid game plan going into that last play. And because if you had a solid game plan, you probably would have thrown the ball faster. And and you didn't. I so, I I take I take a I'm gonna disagree with you to a certain extent. I re- I think they had a plan. Like re- Andy, I'm gonna be really disrespectful right now, and I don't mean to be. Andy Reid's two sons are fucking train wrecks. The the one that's still alive, like he's had he had two sons. One of them one of them unfortunately OD'd in in a in a, Phil- in a Philadelphia Eagles uh, facility, and the other one's going to going to jail for life for uh, for dismembering a little girl in drunk trap. His personal life is a train wreck. Because he's such a good coach that it was all that he does. I and I again I don't mean to bring be disrespectful to Andy Reid. The guy's great. The guy seems like a great guy. who just seems like he's that difficult stuff. He they had a game plan going in. I think what happened. I think the reason Mahomes does what does that type of improvisation is because he underestimates like defense. He under like can't uh, Cincinnati. They went out last offseason, and they bought a whole new sector. So Mahomes had never seen it before. And then on top of that, I think in the back of his head, he's like, yo, I'm Pat fucking Mahomes. If I, if I run around and I let my guys get open, I let my Kelsey's or my, or my uh, Tyree Kills get open, like, they're, they're going to find a way. I think that's it. I think that's him in the back of his head being like, yo, I just have to have Clean a monster dong only gets you so far. I, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, just, I, I think it's disrespectful to say that they get – they underprepare. I think if they overprepare, I think they underestimate. Okay. I uh, overprepare, debatable. Andy Reid and I, I, I would go to the mat. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. I strongly believe that they are two of the most well-prepared people in the NFL. I think they've been blessed with a great quarterback. That definitely helps great for their own pitfalls. But I still, I. I, I can't. You don't win, you don't win in, in the NFL without a superior quarterback. Right. The last guy to do it was probably Eli. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sure there's. I was going to say more Rich Gannon with the, with the, with the Raiders. Nick, Nick Foles. Big. Nick Foles. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl against Tom Brady. So preparation definitely gets. We could defer far. that. We could, we could defend that in the offseason. We could talk about that in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But. We're, we're going to have a chance to get really creative once there's nothing to talk about. Oh, dude, we're going to talk about so much. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Dude, I can't wait. Maybe we have some people on. Maybe, maybe we fuck around. We get some people on here. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so, no, that's, we're not having a conversation tonight. So, um, so we've, talked, we've talked a lot about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Let's, I know that you have some things that you want to say about Joe Burrow and the Bengals, though, because we, we also – for as much as I want to discredit what the Chiefs did, you have to give credit to the Bengals. So, so let's do that. The be- Joe Burrow. I said this. I said this during our last thing. Oh, you want to get? You want to fill me up? Gotcha. For those of you you can't see it, but Jose's going back around the bar to, to get to, to refill on the libations. Um, Joe Burrow has openly stated that he does not get scared, and I fucking believe him. I believe. I I, I believe him. I heard that. I believe that he really he doesn't. He I, I think he's confident. I think he trusts himself. 
Like he could win or lose two Sundays from now. I think he's going to be calm, cool, collected, and I think he's going to be. I think he's going to have the same attitude that he's always had. If, if he's going to. They're going to figure it out. Two years ago, he he won a national championship in college, and now in his second year as a pro, first player ever to do so. Yeah, he's he's in the Super Bowl. He he he. That says it all. No player has ever won the Heisman, a national championship, and a Super Bowl, and and Big Dick Joe has the opportunity to do that, which I think is unfucking real. Um, I, dude, I, I think, I think he has a calmness to him that rubs off on his team that allows him to do the shit that he does. He is, he's calm. He's cool. Remember, I I am not going to get off this. Kansas City's defensive line with Melvin Ingram, which was a late season pickup, Frank Clark, who they just paid a hundred million dollars to, and Chris Jones, who again, another eighty-five million dollar guy. Again, with 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 a secondary in. Uh, and, and led by Tyron Matthew. Like, that defense is a scary fucking defense, and Joe Burrow stood in there. They held Jamar Chase to eight receiving yards in the first half. That didn't let him get discouraged. He found T. Higgins. He, he did not take nine sacks like he did against the Titans. That was also key. Right. They finally protected him a little bit better. He got rushed quite a bit. Their so. offensive line is horrible. They've been saying that. They've been saying this offseason, that has to be their top priority. And that's the amazing thing about it, because you got a quarterback on a rookie contract, stud wide receiver on a rookie contract. So go. what's that going to do? They got money. They got money to spend. Right. But they don't. They don't have to. Pay, they don't have to pay Joe Burrow for another two years. And I don't think that. Let's go make somebody the top paid offensive lineman in the league, so they can protect Joe Burrow. Wait. And not only that, but now you've got a winning reputation underneath you, so people are going to want to come and play for you. Cincinnati. Cincinnati is no longer the the barren desert of. You know, one and done's in the playoffs. I won't say, dude. They Dalton and Carson Palmer. They have, they are the only team in the NFL that does not have an indoor practice facility. So in the middle of fucking November, when it's freezing, they're still practicing outside. I, I agree with you. Like the, the 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 culture is there. The 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 groundwork to a culture is there. I think the owner's name is Mike Brown. I think Pearl Brown was the guy that founded the Cincinnati Bengals, but I think Mike Brown is his son who has took it over. I think he's almost ready to pass it on to his family. I think I saw him on I saw him on uh, what's it called? I saw him on Hard Knocks like five or ten years ago. The year after, the year after Rex Ryan was on it. Like there, there, there's a weird perception there that Mike, that Mike Brown is like. James Nolan of the of the of the NFL, where he just will fuck it up because he thinks it's the right thing to do. The culture is there as long as the owner doesn't fuck with it. So I agree. I agree with you that like it, like they can go out and they can spend money on offensive linemen, but I'm not ready to dub Cincinnati as like this this hub everyone's gonna want to flock. If they win this game in two weeks, they will be. They will be because this kid's got 20 more years in the tank. He's got a young head coach with a world of potential. He's got a stud wide receiver. He's got a great running. Winning this, other good weapons around him. Winning this game, it legitimizes Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. I will give you that. He's already legitimized. He has already done what nobody else has done to go to the Super Bowl in your second year. You're right. You're right. Okay. So I, I. I don't think that Cincinnati will become this this ultimate hub that people want to flock to. The people that people are going to take 
you know, the better, like, like, like what, like what LA did with OBJ and Von Miller this year, and a few other people where they were like, OBJ, OBJ, they traded from Von Miller. LA is a rare place. They're not going to get like the OBJs or like the or the guys like that to take the one year three million dollar deal just to come to play in Cincinnati. Like there has to be more to it. I think that they're on their way to it. I think, but I also I also think they could get this the fucking muscle called the Chiefs treatment of like no one expected Pat Mahomes to come to come the way that he did. But also like you know, like people like weirdly people thought Joe Burrow was going to be this guy, but not yet. Right. It's happening too soon. Right. It's really fast. And I think teams will be able to adapt to it. Uh, for every adaptation that a team makes towards him, I think that he's just going to make an adjustment and he's going to become even better. So I don't know if I would go to that extent either. I think that I, I think that the Bengals are a fourth. I think that Joe Burrow, if he's on the Bengals or if he winds up going to any other team, mm-hmm. he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. He's going to be somebody to be respected. He's going to be somebody I agree. who's going to have long playoff runs for years to come. I, and I, maybe I, it's, I, listen, maybe I, it's I, not a flocking like LA was, where I mean, you know, Odell and Von Miller are are people who were traded for, but OBJ was signed. So, right, he got released. Um, I signed him Bitcoin and took a hit on that, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, um, taking L now for returns in the future. <laughs> People might not flock to come towards you right now, but there will be a more interest. I People think won't look at, at Cincinnati like the hopeless place that they were in the past. Like, you know how growing up it was like it, it, the AFC ran between Brady, Peyton, and, uh, and, and Ben Roethlisberger? Like the AFC now, I think runs through Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. Absolutely, I think that I think that's the biggest. Ten percent. I, I think Burrow's going to walk into LA in two weeks. I think he's going to. I think he's going to be calm, cool, collected. I think he's going to lead his guys. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I still don't know. I still don't know who my pick is. But I, Joe Burrow. Like this is not just this. This is like. After, after going into Kansas City, this is not just a feel-good story of, like, a team that was, like, you know, that, that, you, that they had God rooting for them. Like, they're supposed to be there right now. Of course. I agree. And that's that's the scariest thing you could have in the playoffs is a team with untapped potential. Right. You don't know how high the ceiling really is. Right. I'm talking more so from a biggest standpoint of trying to set lines on their games and proper bets and everything. They were – dude, they gave them seven and a half points. Like, that's a that's – a that's a dick slap across the face. And they looked like geniuses in the first half. They did, and then jo- and and then we like we just said that not not scoring that touchdown was not just a physical thing that didn't happen. It yeah. was a mental thing to them also. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, hell of a game. Hell of a game. I can't wait to see Joe Burrow walk in LA in two weeks. Um, from Cincinnati. Oh, sorry, from Kansas City. We fly. We fly high. SoFi to SoFi Stadium. Where Matt Stafford, who a year ago yesterday, we're recording this Monday night. It is now early Tuesday morning. We, oh, I'm sorry, um, Matt Stafford a year ago Sunday was free, liberated, liberated from the Detroit Lions. People were saying, "Oh, he was horrible. It was time for a reset." People never really got why he got that huge. He, he was the he was the he was the first quarterback to get a contract past 135 million. He got that. People were like, why the hell would you give it to him? This year, he proved why he was worth it and how, like, it's like, it's literally, like, I hate this cliche. It's like finding a diamond in the rubble. Like, this guy was just barricaded in in Detroit, 
and he yeah, goes he to L.A. Away. on the Sean He was record. withering away. He was withering away to nothing. He was getting absolutely destroyed and manhandled to the point that, like, yeah. he almost was going to be like a Calvin Johnson-esque of a guy who retired too early because he got career. so banged up. Yeah. He... He showed out. I, he showed out, he showed and out, I weirdly... And he's been showing out when it matters most. Last two weeks, he's played an incredible game. You got to tip your cap to staff, man. He... He's gotten the best out of Cooper Cup, and this is this is. I, I posted this on my Instagram yesterday, and Jose, I ask you to give me a minute. I don't want to hear ever again that OBJ was the problem in Cleveland. I never want to hear that fucking thing again, and I'm gonna fight you on it because he is just as much of a reason that they are there. Since he has been there, he played he. I don't know when he got. I don't know when he got. Sure, uh, when he got signed by LA, I don't. He has bet. He has more than bettered all of his stats in the short time that he's been in LA than the entire two years that he's been in Cleveland, and he's been nothing but a pleasure, according to everybody else. I saw. I saw the stats today. Ten games, six hundred forty-eight yards. And 40-something receptions to go along with another, like, six touchdowns, I think it was. He, he he's done unreal. He is – I don't want to say revitalized because he was never dead. He was never the problem. Like, OBJ Sr.? It's revitalized him, though. That's the right way to put it. This, this has revitalized his career. And hopefully – I mean, look. The other thing that you really have to consider here is what would have happened if Robert Woods was still in the picture. I agree. I, I, I really as, ho- as horrible door of opportunity. As hor- as horrible as Robert Woods tore his ACL of the the week that, in the practice the week the day after they got OBJ. Like yes, that's horrible. But OB, OBJ's always been that guy, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm not gonna. I, everything that he's been called, he's been called a cancer to the team. He's been called a quarterback killer. Her, he's been called a diva. Yeah, you know, you, you can make an argument for or against it, dude. He's been called it all self centered. Like, I he only, see he only wants to win on his terms. Seeing what happened yesterday, there were two clips, and it was not during the game. Going up to Debo Samuel and comforting Debo, who Debo gave everything he could this year. He played through ankle pains, he paid he played through calf injuries. He fought for San Francisco. He is the heart of San Francisco, and I pray to God they pay him accordingly like they said they're going to. To, to go over and try and comfort Debo, like tell him, like, dude, this is not going to be the last time you're there. For him to – it's coming up right – this is a, this is destiny right here. Okay, this is God, as we're speaking, it's on, it's, on the TV, it's on the TV right now. OBJ walking over and comforting Debo was the ultimate sign of sportsmanship and the ultimate sign of – uh, you know, I care about I care about the guys in the league. Like they're my brothers. We fight, we compete. But these guys, I want to see guys succeed. Debo is a guy who's going to succeed. OBJ knows that. Then on top of that, dude, there was House of Highlights got a box at SoFi yesterday. There was a guy. I think his name was Eddie. I posted it on Instagram. I can check on it in a minute. His wife died during the NFL season. I don't know who Eddie is. I don't know who it is. I, I'm sorry that he lost his wife. I pray that he finds some type of peace. OBJ walked over to the to the box. It was on, it was on field level. He walked over to the box and took a picture with with him. He he grabbed the phone. He took a selfie with him. He dapped him up. He did everything he could to like say like yo like you, you know I'm glad that you're here. 
Dude, Dude, I am I sick of OBJ, OBJ getting the shit that he does, and I'm I, I, I'm fucking sick of it. Like OBJ is a good human who has just been put in a shitty situation, whether it was with the Giants, whether it was with Cleveland. Like, if you if you treat him right, you will get the best out of him. I'm a firm believer of it, and I I am gonna I like I'm gonna fight everyone on it who says that I'm wrong about that. I agree to an extent. Um, I think that Odell has I, – I would rephrase it as he's turned over a new leaf. Because he's I think matured. I'll give you that. Exactly. Maturity. That's a key word in this. When Odell was with the Giants, he, he was not – He was thrusted into. He was thrusted into. He was put in a position to succeed. He was the number one receiver on a otherwise very talentless roster. Because who was on that Giants team with Eli when they were trying to make one last final push before Eli ultimately retired? Nobody. And they went down to Green Bay, as we all famously remember. I blame Victor Cruz for that. uh, He was a leader in that locker room. He he was a leader in that wide receiver's room. He should not have let that happen. Everyone should have known better. That was not the right thing to do. Okay. But the point being that I think that Odell – has turned over a new leaf. He's become a more mature man. He's become more respectable. He's he's become more reliable. He's about to become he's a become, father. He's become he's become less self centered. This is about me. This is about the team now. Right. Is how it shifted. And exactly that's where I was ultimately going to go with this. He is a future baby daddy. I think that that really has helped instill some different perspective in him. I think that it's helped him realize that hey, it's not all about me. I've got a child on the way. And just like my personal life is now shifting from me to this woman who's birthing my child to my child. It also, that same logic applies to the football team. It's not just about me and getting my targets, my receptions, my yards and my, and my touchdowns. It's about the team winning. And that's what's ultimately going to help me have more success. Why? Because when I was with the giants, I played on a shitty team. I put up monster stats. And then I went to Cleveland, and Cleveland, guess what? Was another irrelevant franchise who has been stuck in the dumps for years. Right. And it was another opportunity for me to be me and to capture my stats. It, and what happened? It looked great on paper, but it wasn't it. The team had success last year. They went to the playoffs for the first time in I forgot how long yeah. after, after countless years of losing. And nobody really talked about me. They talked about Baker Mayfield. So, hmm, maybe if I put the team first. Maybe if I focus on things bigger than myself, greater than myself, for whatever reason it might be, who knows? Maybe I'll get a chance, you know? Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll finally get some recognition without demanding it from people. And I think that's what's happening here. I think he's maturing right before our very eyes. And I think that he, uh, he's realizing that there's a greater purpose than just being the guy. I, I want to see you. Uh, I like, I won't, we're not doing projections. I am so torn on this Super Bowl because I want, I want OBJ to win, but I want Joe Burrow to win too. <laughs> and I'm so I want Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to win, but I also want OBJ and Matt Stafford to win. I am so fucking torn on this. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this week. Like I have to think about this with with you also. Age before beauty, Tim. You got to take the man who's got less less tread left on his tires than the guy. We're who's not having this conversation now. We need we need to we need to. That's just my quick tidbit. Okay. 
Um, OBJ over 100 yards receiving, Cooper Cup over 100 yards receiving, Matt Stafford threw for 300 plus yards. The defense, Mon Miller, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald with like three minutes left on the going into the last possession. Um, with with uh, the Niners coming out for the last possession, Aaron Donald rallying his troops. They Aaron Andrews said this. Aaron Donald is not someone that leads with his words. He I leads by examples. The fact that he pulled everybody together, and I and I'm not going to pretend to have lip read him. I can guarantee you, he was stressing to these guys. This is the le- this is our last chance. This is our last chance before. This is our last chance. This is all we have to do, and then we have, and then we're on to the promised land. Just rock with us. Got to rock with us. Rock with, <laughs> rock with us. After the game, he was doing a post game presser. Yeah. And Von Miller was basically photobombing his entire post game presser. Right. You saw that? I did not know. So he was saying, "There's no way we were going to lose. We were not going to let that happen." So I believe it. I mean, this team came in with a purpose, and it didn't come out as pretty as they would have liked. But they got the job done at the end of the day against a very stingy, difficult 49ers team who you could you could say the same thing about, right? We look at the Bengals, and I I literally just said it: their untapped potential. That's one of the most dangerous things you have to be careful of because you have a young quarterback who the fucking world is his oyster. Yeah. He could, he could go out and be the next Tom Brady or he could go out and be the next Matthew Stafford who has a great career and never wins anything until the end of it potentially because of how he plays. I... And, uh, and, and... I lost my thought. <laughs> well, I'll give you a chance to get it back. But my point being, you know, they finally put something together here, the Rams did. And they shut down a really good Niners team who a lot of people forget were in the Super Bowl two, three years ago. Years ago, the, the year, the, the February before Rona. Not to mention a few years before that when they had Colin Kaepernick. Right. So this is, this is a franchise who a lot of people write off as pretenders and not contenders. I think the reason for that is because, like, I think the re- like I we can get, we'll get into this we'll get into this at the Super Bowl when everything calms down a little bit. Jimmy G's not going to be on that team next year just because no. just because like the reason that they get that they're built on so much like they're not built around a quarterback like the quarterback's an interchangeable position to them like they're they're built on their defense they're built on Debo Samuel they're built on uh, Trent uh, what's his name. Trent uh, Williams. Trent Williams is their, their stud left tackle. Like that's why I think that's why I think they're referred. They're, that's why I think they don't have the respect that like if Matt Stafford's not that quarterback, they're not, like LA is not going to the Super Bowl. And and we're learning that now because at the end of the game, He's been, he has been. You saw you saw Kyle Shanahan call some very conservative plays yeah. when they needed to move the ball down the field. Right. The reason why he's doing that is because he doesn't have confidence in Jimmy G to get the job. Jimmy done. G was playing with half a hand, and like, if, like, did you? Jimmy G threw for two hundred and fifty yards. If I like, I, I, I bet the over on that. I like, I expect. I didn't expect it to hit. Like the fact that it hit over that. I took the under, under two twenty eight. Dude, not even two fifty. Dude, like, I don't like. I, I watched. But the a game. losing quarterback always has to throw the ball, so I won't. I won't equate yards to success. I won't. Yeah. E- I won't either. But like the four, like I, I don't know. I just I don't. The 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 Forty Nineers are going to be back. They're not going to be back with Jimmy G, but they're going to be back. It's a. No, it's Jimmy a. G's done. He's played his last game in a Niners uniform. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be Trey Lance or they're going to bring somebody in. I Aaron Rodgers. I. 
Again, off, off, off season topic, and I love that we can say that. Topic. All right. Um. So those were. We, we've been, Jesus, we've been doing this for an hour. I love this. I, I did. We're. I, I could do two more hours. I know we can because I got to go to work tomorrow. But, um. No, that's that's our recap of uh, AFC NFC playoff weekends. Uh, shout out Jackson Mahomes and uh and and, and Brittany, uh, his wife, girlfriend, fiance, son, fiance. Baby, baby mama. Uh, hope you guys can enjoy the summer in Cabo. Fiance well, and baby mama. True. So I hope that they enjoy uh, watching the Super Bowl in Cabo. They can maybe shut up for a little bit. Uh, again, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk uh, projections. We're gonna give ourselves a week to kind of like analyze this. Like I said, I I am so fucking torn. I don't think I've ever been this torn on a Super Bowl before, and not involving the Giants. I agree. We've been blessed with great NFL playoffs to this point. Yep. The, the only week that I would say was a letdown was the super wild card weekend. There was a couple of blowouts there, a couple of games that were uninteresting. Yeah. The last weekend, this week, we were blessed with six amazing games. Every single game down to the wire, every single game decided by one. By a score. field goal. By a fucking field goal. Not every one, because we had a walk-off touchdown last week, Patrick Mahomes against the uh, against the. But Bills. a field goal put us in that position. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. Clutch kicking was the narrative last weekend. This weekend it was uh, teams rising to the occasion. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't know if there's one definitive storyline that you. I can don't think there is, and I think like we're, we, you and me, we obviously we got we got to pick we got to pick teams next week. I'm just so fucking excited for this game, dude. Yeah. It, it, like I like I'm so excited for it for two reasons. One, it's gonna be a great fucking big game. Two, I am not gonna get up for any reason to like miss this game strictly for the fact that it's the last game until August. And I'm right. and I'm so fucking disheveled talking about this because we we we'll get into more of it why, but we don't have a ton to look forward to at the next at the next Sunday. Right. We're gonna have to find some things. We're gonna have to get a little creative, but that's what this is all about. Know, let's 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 move into that creation. We're gonna we're gonna dive into something. We haven't talked that much about other sports outside of football for obvious reasons. It's just been it's been it's been the playoffs, it's been you know, it's been football time. But something else interesting happened last week that we want to get into. The the MLB Hall of Fame came out with their yearly with, with their yearly um with their yearly vote. David Ortiz, first ballot Hall of Famer. He is going to Cooperstown this year. Jose cringes as he says that as I say that because he's he's you know he pleads for, pleads for the Yankees. Um, but another interesting thing happened. So Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, they both aged out. They were not elected to the Hall of Fame. They, never, they didn't receive anywhere near the, amount, the minimum amount of votes required. And it brought up a big debate among people that I think we're going to get into now. Did, baseball, did the Baseball Writers of America do a disservice by not voting Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in? And it's, we all know the story. Barry Bonds, asshole. He, you know, did not. He denied steroids, even though he gained 100 pounds in an offseason. He, fa- you know, he failed tests. He he did fail tests, right? I'm not I'm not being slanderous, but so and, and the rocket also rocket being. I guess before we end, rocket didn't being. They, on didn't they all fail tests, right? You can you could the Mitchell. So in oath, I think it was 03. You and me, we were young then. It was called the Mitchell Report. It was kind of like it was MLB's attempt to like randomly test people on every on every team and say like, okay, out of I think it was like 103 players. It was MLB's way of saying, okay, out of these out of this field of 103 players, how many of them tested? How many of them have? Right. And how many of them have steroids in their system? They all tested positive, right. but 
David Ortiz years later was the Balco report, I think. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure. And maybe another one after that. So, but they all tested positive. But with David Ortiz, for some reason, his, they were like, it's possible that he was a false positive. No, so Ortiz's saving grace was, I think it was either Manfred or Sealy came out and said there were a lot of false positives on that test, which like weirdly wasn't, wasn't Another thing also, I heard this too. Barry Bonds, you know when you, like, there are more interviews of him being an asshole than him, like, being, like, a like a decent, like, guy. Which, again, of course, like, they're media. They're people that are after, the, they're after their story. They're trying to slice their bread. Absolutely. They're, they're in a hustle. Barry Bonds was never a friend to the media. He never wanted to talk to people. He never, you know, he wanted, he, he fought with guys. Same thing with Rock. They, they, they fought with guys. Ortiz was never, Ortiz was always liked. I think he still is. He's always. He was just, he's poppy around the league. He yeah. is poppy. And I think that's one thing that ultimately helped them. I think, I think whatever, whatever commissioner coming out and saying, you know, there were a lot of false positives. And then also just him being liked by the writers and him being liked by fans. Even I'll ask you as a Mets fan, I like him as a Yankee fan. Do you, uh, when, when Poppy came to town, is it the Red Sox? Do you, what was your opinion of him? <laughs> I, I'm asking because I don't know. When Poppy came to town, it was a large order of fuck you mm-hmm. with a side order of fear because you were you never knew what he was going to do, whether he was going to hit one down the right field foul pole or not. Right. So, so but when again, you could say the same logic to Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez was somebody else who we were all like we don't want to see you off that bat at any point in the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. But again, Manny fell into that category of asshole. And to me, David Ortiz was an asshole. I don't know what, I don't know what make, made David Ortiz a good guy. What gave him the impression of being a good... Like, you look at, like, Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter. I don't know if it's my biases speaking... But those are like consummate professionals, good guys in the league. Mariano Rivera, yes. He never screamed that to me. He never screamed that. But to I me. think, he, but you know, we're like you and I both know there's a difference between Boston fans and Yankee fans. Like Boston, yeah. Boston fans are rowdy. Poppy was rowdy. The thing that made me a, a big Poppy guy was the, was his speech in Boston, like the week after the Boston bombing. Where he comes out on the field and he you know thanks all the cops, he thanks all the all he thanks the governor, he thanks the mayor, and then he just goes in and he just goes. They give him the mic and he becomes poppy. This is our fucking city. And he says that in the middle of the diamond with the fucking microphone. And credit credit to the Red Sox PR team for putting him in a position to do that, right? Absolutely, but because a lot of a lot of players don't even get a chance to do that. Big Poppy was never that guy for me, though. I'm not Big asking. Poppy was always the bad guy. I know, but I, the only time that I started to like Big Poppy was after he retired and he was in the podcast booth. Which now I love seeing. Well, I love seeing him and A Rod on on Fox. Right. I thought they had really good rapport. I thought they really got along well together. If A Rod does the like the Manning cast type style of, of broadcasting on Sunday Night Baseball, there's hey, Rod. there's no way that they don't let Big Poppy in some way. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, sure like he needs that. to be on it. But they, getting back to the thing, sure. the, to answer your question about Jeter and Mo, they're, they're both the constant professors. Like, don't take away either of those things. Jeter, I, I'm going to say this as a Mets fan. He was much more arrogant. And he, like, 
he was like quietly cocky. Like he he had a different girl on his arm every you know every every whenever. He was but never public about it. Though. I know, but like he was like I don't know, like I remember I was sitting I, I was I was roommates with a Phillies fan in college. It was Jeter's it was Jeter's farewell season. And you do you ever see the video you ever see the uh the commercial of him? I think it was him going into stands and and like he like signs he signs the rookie card or whatever, and the guy and the guy behind the bar is like we we've, we've been have we've been waiting for you to walk in for here for twenty years and he goes right back as a joke as a New Yorker you will get he's like you never invited me and like he said in like a, in like a jokingly formal way I'm sitting there with a Phillies fan one day and he's like dude that's a fucking asshole thing to say and I'm like dude that's a joke like he's clearly joking with that I I I think it's a byproduct of us being New Yorkers. I just don't think Jeter is well liked outside of New York, just strictly because we're different animals. Like we're not like people don't get that. That's Jeter just being like a jo- like a jokester. That's him trying to joke with the people behind the bar, and everyone right. in the bar fucking laughs over it because they know it's a joke. Right. I think you know. I think that just to bring it home, Barry Barry Bonds and Rocket never deserved to be in. The Hall of Fame. I'm sorry they just didn't. Barry Bonds. Whoa, 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 I've been waiting for a week and a half. I've been waiting for a week to say this, brother. You gotta let me say it. I, uh, do, wait, from I just need you to clarify. Okay, from a statistical standpoint. No, from, strictly from a reputation standpoint. Okay. I, but I think it, it, it like if we're talking we're talking statistics, they absolutely deserve to be in. Same thing with same thing with Pete Rhodes. Inarguably. But I think I think their personality. I think. The reason that Poppy is in and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not are because of their personality. And you want to talk about class acts. Did you see the tweet that Barry Bonds sent out after David Ortiz was elected? I don't. I didn't know. I'm sure it was. It a congr- Barry Bonds, te- congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Nothing but nice things to say about Big Poppy. Right. But I think he, he in no way, shape or form portrayed like saltiness. You know, because I think that I think Rocket said it best. He said that I, I gave this up 10 years ago because I think they both knew that they were never going to get in. How Poppy conducted himself in the media, how Poppy like joked with the media and like played along with the media, right. I, I, as fucked up as a system. I, I hate I hate writers because like, just, like I, 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 it's same, not always objective. For the same thing, like for the same reason, like it, like Skip Bayless is not an objective person when it comes to talking right. about LeBron James. God only knows who. I think there are like 150 writers or something like that. Like yeah. what? Like what gives them the credit? The fact that they can like write something about that? I don't. I. I think that I think their reputations are the reasons that they're not in, and I get. It. I totally agree with that. Um, I I don't like that their their subjectivity introduced with these writers, and that they have a chance to um, nominate somebody who you know they might feel favorable or less favorable towards. And I think that you have to look at everybody through the same objective eyeglass, which is not always that easy. And if you're going to nominate someone like Big Poppy, then it's an absolute no-brainer to put Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. Your all-time home run leader, I don't know where he ranks among RBIs, hits, average. I heard a crazy stat that if you take out every single one of Barry Bonds' home runs, he still has a higher on-base percentage than David Ortiz. He is the greatest hitter in MLB Wow, dude, dude. He is. Dude, you're going to say that, Pete Rose? 
I don't care how many hits Pete Rose had. Uh-huh. Barry Bonds did it for power, and he did it for finesse. He's I, the greatest hit. Look at how many walks he had in like the 2003 season or whatever the hell it was. That, how many of them were intentional walks? Exactly, out of fear and respect for who he was. Okay, I, I love. First of all, I love. We lose this over Zoom. I just want to take. I just want to point that out to you. The, Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter in, in MLB history. You can't. I can't give him that. I can't give him without that without Barry Bonds, dude. The you reason. What, what other sport judges steroids as strictly as MLB? None. Guys in the NFL are probably doing steroids left and right. You know, are you kidding me, Miles Garrett? Miles Garrett wears a cutoff shirt. Miles Garrett wears a sleeveless shirt under his shoulder pads. He gets fucking. He gets requested for an HGH test the next day. What are you talking about? It's not the same. I'm not saying it's the same, but like, don't tell me that like other leagues don't do it. Listen, listen. Everybody, I am gonna quote Lance Armstrong on this. Everyone did steroids at that time. Barry yeah. Bonds and Roger Clemens were just the guys that got. They're a product of their era. Right. But how they handled themselves is. The, the same reason that Poppy got elected is why you tell me you tell me if you think I'm crazy or not. The same reason that Poppy got elected is the same reason I think that A Rod will eventually get elected. You think A Rod will make it? I don't think A Rod will make it. I think A Rod will make it on his last last chance because because while people think A Rod is a slime ball and he you know he was given the biggest suspension when it came to this shit. How well respected is he since then? He does the same shit as Poppy. Since then, yes. But but during his playing career, A-Rod was not a like. But man. dude, it doesn't matter. During Poppy was only like towards the end of his career, like outside of Boston. A-Rod since A-Rod after the whole after the whole like Joe Takapina and you know the, the the whole arbitration panel courtroom before he was eventually sentenced to before he was eventually suspended for 162 games. He has done a lot to repair his, himself. Like he got a lot more votes. I don't have the number in front of me. I'll look it up. But I weirdly think there's a chance that A Rod could get elected because of how well he's liked, and also not for nothing else, dude. He's in the media constantly about if the A-Rod MLB. Elected, then shame on the MLB. No, the writers. The MLB has nothing to do with it. The writers are the ones that vote. These shame guys. on the Hall of Fame. Shame on their voting process. Shame on everyone involved in it. I weirdly, there is zero reason why. Because A Rod was heavily scrutinized, right. was not a clutch player, was not friendly in the eyes of the media. The only thing that A Rod has backing him, same as Roger Clemens, same as Barry Bonds, statistical numbers home runs, RBIs, hits on base percentage, slugging, average, etc. Dude, I, it's this dude, and it's a popularity contest. It's in a, a, a hard A Rod's not a popular guy. Now he, he is. He is now. And I did. It's you ever hear- he will not get in though. He will not. And I, and I'm an A-Rod fan. I know you are talking to a guy who's got a signed A-Rod bat in his in his house. You know, like I love A-Rod. I know. I really I always did, and I always admired him because I was a third baseman growing up as a little kid. Uh, he will not make it. He won't. He won't. Neither will Andy Pettit. None of those guys who who had I mean, and Andy Pettit's a different he's kind of an anomaly because he's got worse stats than those guys. Right. But they won't make it. He will not make it. And I promise you that. He would have been not he would have been elected 
first ballot just like Dave Ortiz if he had the same public recognition as Dave Ortiz. It, but but, but I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think he would have gotten the same recognition. I, I don't think he would have gotten the same ballot as Poppy, strictly for the fact that, like, you, you think Boston, you think Big Poppy. Like, you think New York, you don't think A-Rod off the first one. You think Jeter. You, you think Jeter. You think Mariano. You think you think Jorge Posada. You think Joe Torre. Dude, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not like I'm not going to nail myself to this cross and say that I'm 100% guaranteeing it. I weird uh, you and we'll ha- you know this is why we have to show comment because we got to talk about this again next year. I weirdly think a Rod. I weirdly think that a Rod has a shot to get it, and I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. But for the short term, at least. Uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, those guys are both Hall of Famers. They have no business not being in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so this is the num- just to put it just to put this to bed. To be elected to the Hall of Fame, you need to have seventy five percent of the votes. Yeah, A Rod this year received thirty five percent, thirty four point three, but thirty five percent. That's like I can weirdly. How many years on the ballot though? For A-Rod. It's been a couple already. Has it? I don't know how many. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, this is the first year A-Rod was eligible. Really? Yeah. Surprised by that. According to, MLB, according to MLB.com, hey, this is the first year A-Rod was eligible. Hmm. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I think that if you let one in, if you let one guy from the steroid era in, you got to let them all. Regardless of who they are, how their demeanor is, that's not what this is about. This is about stats. And stats speak, and they deserve to be in. Okay. Period. Fair enough. Okay. So I'm gonna get. I, I'm gonna get into it right now. Talk some Julius Randle, Tim. Talk to, talk a little league, a little NBA. So for those of you that know me, you know that I am just not. I am a pessimistic Knicks fan. Always have been. Always will be. People say, oh, the Knicks look so good. I'll be like, that's because we're looking at them now and not six months from now. I just, I, I, I am, I, I believe in Murphy's Law when it comes to the Knicks. What can go wrong, Will? Julius fucking Randall. I don't know where he got this sense of, like, I'm a superstar, this or that. The way that he conducts himself on the, on the court. He scores, he looks at the ref. The ball goes out of bounds, he looks at the ref. He's, I don't know what the hell is wrong with him. He's looking for calls that he feels like he should be getting, but like aren't legitimate. He's looking to be, he, he thinks he's the guy. Like, I'm, I got news for him. Mello was more of a guy for him, in, was more of a guy for the Knicks than Julius Randle will ever be. He comes down. He chucks horrible threes when being in the paint is where he will be most effective. I made this note when they were in Miami. I believe it was, I believe it was last Thursday, last Thursday, or last Friday. I, I, um, no, last, last Wednesday or last Thursday. They got smoked in that game, by the way. I want to say Thursday. Tyler Hero went off. Shout out Tyler Hero. It was my boy. Julius Randle had 11 fucking points and watching him conduct himself, he would come down the court and he would just chuck a three. He would chuck a three. If it went in, great. If it didn't, he would run back down the court and he'd be yelling at the ref. 
And now reports are starting to swirl that the Knicks are weirdly okay letting him go. They're looking to make a trade with him. They're looking after you just signed him to to an extension, a four year, one hundred and seventeen million dollar extension. Like, a year ago, a year ago, a year ago, he was the guy. A year ago, he was. Would you guy. ever believe that we were looking to trade Julius Randle at this point? I could because, as I said, the Knicks are Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will. Murphy's Law. Okay, yes, I agree with that. Um, you can't just jump ship on your guy, though. Your guy's hit a rough stretch. Your guy hasn't shown the same body language. He looks like he doesn't want to be there at times. He looks like he doesn't care about winning at times. He looks like he doesn't even care about his own personal stats at times, which in a league which is all about me, 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 is kind of concerning. However, I will say that this time last year, people were talking about Julius Randle for most improved player. And if not that, then maybe even borderline MVP because of what he did with the Knicks. Not this time last year, because this time last year, oh, by the way, you guys were right around the 500 team as well. It wasn't until a couple weeks from now where you guys really start to take off and become that. Uh, what seed were you last year? Like seventh? seventh or the eighth. I want to say seventh. Something like that. Yeah. Either way. Now you're on, you're on a more talented roster. You have the head coach there for the second year. Not always a given when you're a next, when you're a next coach. But he's there. I agree. And he, and he's a top, top coach in the league. And now everyone all of a sudden is ready to jump ship on, on Julius. I'm sorry, but this just shows the wishy-washiness of a Knicks fan. This shows how short-minded you guys are. And I'm honestly just so disgusted by it. Because instead of, instead of having the conversation about how to improve this team, about how to put them into a better position to contend and to win now, you guys are just like, nah, what does he do? What does he do? What does he do for the team? What does he do for the team? He's, he's in a slump. He's been in a slump since we started this fucking year. Players always slump. You got it. You have to. And, and you know what happens to a player when you don't support him while he's slumping? What's that? He goes into a deeper slump. But, dude, there is a difference between. How, between a player and a slump, and how you conduct yourself. The great Ray Lewis. I will show. Yeah, he looks uninterested. I, I will show you this clip. Be, uh, this was when they were. They, this was the year after he retired from Baltimore. They were like they were like one in six or one in seven or something. Being a one in six team does not define you. It, what defines you is what is what you do when you're one in six. Julius Randle and how he conducts himself on the court in this – listen, he's in a slump. I get it. But how he conducts himself on the court when he's in that slump is what has me pissed off with him. He's a pain in the ass. And I'm sorry, he is not good enough to be acting the way that he acts. He's not good enough right now, but if he did this last year over a cold stretch, you guys wouldn't have even blinked twice. Wouldn't have even been a conversation. I'm sure a couple of slow games slid by and nobody even batted an eye. You want to know? You want to know why no one batted an eye? Because we weren't locked. You were to, we weren't locked to him long term. He cashed right. in this offseason, rightfully so. Because so who are you really mad at then? The Knicks front office, or are you mad at him? I'm mad at both of them. The Knicks will. I, you always you guys got trigger hats. You always ask me why I don't believe in the Knicks. It's because of shit like this. We have one good run, we overcompensate, and then we fuck everything up. 
I, I know, by the way, the problems of this team are much deeper rooted than this. I agree. We've traded. We've you traded acquired Kemba Walker. You acquired Evan Fournier. What are those guys? What have they done for you? Not, not only that, now they want to trade Fournier, and we're barely a year into it. Like, I want uh, one other thing too. We gave up a protected 2020. What, what draft is next? 2022, right? 2022 draft. Yeah. We gave up a, a protected 2022 draft pick for Cam Reddish. The guy has not seen the fucking floor since, and I do not know why. He is not in the rotation. He is, he is known as – he is, he is considered healthy. They're just saying he is not in the rotation. Why the fuck are you going to trade a first-round pick for a guy and then not fucking play? I don't get it. Nothing. Dibs, Dibs has he hasn't played one game? He's played garbage. Huh. You know, to be honest with you, I was following that move, and I thought that was a good move for the Knicks. I thought it was too. I thought we were going to fucking play him. I thought Kemba Walker hasn't worked out. Kemba hasn't worked out. No, Kemba has not worked out. And I feel bad because Kemba's a New Yorker. He wanted to come back. He wanted to try and compete. We paid him $8 million bucks. Oh, uh, and I would love to dig up some of the posts on Instagram from people who are Knicks fans who love I, you, that you will, move. You will, you will not find any of them on mine. Maybe Enrique, but not mine. And that's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, and, other people, and other people who I who will remain nameless because they are not, you know, as relevant in my life as Enrique. Uh, but a lot, a lot, a lot of people, and and just believe my generalized statement for right now, they were out there chanting from the hospital. Oh, I'm sure. The Knicks, the Knicks are back. The Knicks are back. The Knicks run New York City. We needed a playmaker. We got, got a playmaker. Dude, we're dead. 500 doing nothing. That's bullshit. Dude, I am with you. New York Knicks. The New York Knicks. I will. I am going to say this, and I am going to say well, this with. To hear me out. Hear me out. I am going to say this with a straight face. The New York Knicks. New York Knicks fans are the Dallas Cowboys fans in the NBA. Uh, we always believe. We always believe, and we always make asses out of ourselves. I don't know if that's apples to apples. I don't, know if I don't think it's apples, apples to apples, apples, but we we just we they have the same we have the same tendencies. Like I like. We will t- we we will take this. We will at we right now. You're telling me right now. We have a five, we have a five hundred we have a five hundred ball club, dude. We will give you that as oh we're coming. We're gonna be there. We'll go out and trade for Cam Reddish. We got Cam Reddish. We got rid of Kevin Knox, someone who's been in top Thibodeau's dog, doghouse since the first week. We got rid of a guy. We will look at it. Oh, we're making moves. We're coming. We're coming with this. Right. We got nothing. Right. We signed Evan Fourier to an $80 million deal. In fact, you got less now than you had before. You're down a couple draft picks. You got some aging superstars. We gave eighty. We gave Evan Fourier $80 million, dollars and we already want to trade him. I don't you get that. You might have compromised your future. We want, they want to tra- they, they're making Obi Toppin and, and IQ Emmanuel quickly available in trades. Those are my guys. Those are this th- time last year we were talking about quickly being a potential rookie of the year. They were talking, dude. Like the guy was a monster, dude. In I, I referenced the Miami game from last week where I saw Julius Randall acting like a prick. Like I, IQ came in. IQ had like twelve points to start the fourth quarter, and he like made it made Eric Spolster put his starters back in. Like IQ is a special player. I don't know that he'll. I don't know that he'll ever be the guy on the team. But he will. He can be a six man of the year easy in this league if he keeps developing at this rate. That's where I see him. He's six man. He lo- He grew up loving Lou Williams and he developed his game after Lou Williams. Like I, 
IQ, I don't know if it's going to be with the Knicks or not, but he is he is a talent in this league. He's a talent in this league. He's got a place. He's either a six-man or he's a shooting guard. Uh, that's where I leave it. But the Knicks, the Knicks have much more fundamental problems. Yeah. And it's very obvious that it goes beyond it's the, the same the, the players on the team to the coach on the team. It goes, it goes to the front office, and it's still there. Leon Rose. Leon Rose is the guy. Leon Rose is going to come in, and he's going to make smart, fundamental basketball decisions. And guess what? He did that Listen. for a year. And then what did he do last year? He sold out for some aging veterans who are past their prime. And he put you guys right back in a position to absolutely fuck yourselves over. Dude, I'm going to tell you something, and this is, and I am going to make Ed's head spin because he, I, I learned this from him. The, in that head, Ed. The Knicks have fucked everything up since they did not give the reins to Pat Riley. I look at Miami. I look at that. That could be fucking Madison Square Garden. That could be Madison Square Garden right now. I could have banners. I could, I could have faith in my team. I could have a Knicks tattoo. I, like, the Knicks will never be good. Uh, this, is the, this is my only thing. I don't wish death on anybody. I never do, regardless of my opinion. I'll never wish death on anybody. This gets better when Charlie Dolan dies and James Dolan sells the team. Allegedly, that's the only reason James Dolan still has the team as an asset. It's because Charlie Dolan will Charlie Dolan will never forgive him if he if he sells the team. James Dolan isn't a, James Dolan isn't a sports guy. He's a he's a blues guy. He he plays music. That is all he does. The minute that James Dolan sells his team into a Steve Cohen like guy, where he I think that's too easy. I think it's too easy to look at the top and say it's your fault. It is. I think that those guys have put the right people in place. I think I think you had a great chance with Phil Jackson years ago. I think you have a better chance now with Leon you... Rose. I think you've had great coaches like Mike D'Antoni. I think you have a great coach. We right ran now, Jeff Hornacek Florida. into the ground that he will never get another head coaching job in the NBA, yeah, and that's Hornacek. strictly because of the Knicks. Look at how many guys you have you had that are still in the league today. What's his name? Mike Mike Brown? No, D'Antoni. No, 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 no. What's his name? Uh, black guy, bald hair. Nah, what the hell is his name? I got his face in my in my head right now. I see him. He's smiling. Glasses black. What David is his name? Fisdale. No, not Dave Fisdale. What the hell is his name? He was the, he was a coach for the Rockets, and then he came over here and he uh he coached the Knicks. Jeff Van Gundy? Not Jeff Van Gundy. I said black guy. Bald. I didn't hear that. Uh, Mike Brown, isn't it? Mike Brown never coached the Knicks. No? No. Yeah, Mike Brown. He never coached Mike the Knicks. Brown never coached the Knicks. He coached LeBron in Cleveland. He got fired from Cleveland. He went back. Why did I think he was the coach of the Knicks? I don't know. Uh, we're gonna I'm not going to scratch it. That's staying in there, brother. <laughs> I, I, I just won something on you. I'm fucking keeping that in there. What are you talking about? Not even an assistant coach? I don't know about assistant. No, he he was assistant coach at Golden State behind Steph Curry. Uh, behind Steph Curry. Behind- I thought before that, he was with the Knicks, no? I don't think so. No. Huh. The, the, right, guy, the black guy with the own there, – there were two black coaches that I could think of for the Knicks. They were – Derek Fisher and David Fisdale. David Fisdale, I thought, got the boot unintentionally. I thought we drove, we drove him into the ground. Derek Fisher broke the rules with, with Matt Barnes, and, like, I will never defend that guy. He's a piece of shit. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't really thrilled about the Derek Fisher days. Um, but I will say, Fisdale was a good guy. Fisdale had the guy, Fisdale had the young guys believing in him and wanting to fight for him. And, dude, James, uh, we, we, I know we've been, we've been at this for a long time. I know. Dave, the day that James Dolan sells the Knicks, it's going to be the same type of reaction when, what's it called? When, when the Wilpons sold the Mets. I, I, I promise you that with everything in my being. The Knicks will never be able to get like, hard, like great assets in free agency, and they'll never be well respected. I'm going to say that ever since the Charles Oakley bullshit. No. Like, I'm so like, New York Knicks fans, you can hate me. I'm one of you. We suck as a team. Our front office always fucks it up. We're never going to win a championship with James Dolan. I, I, I firmly believe that. Julius Randle, maybe he was the guy, maybe he's not. He's just, he is not, he's not an asset. Okay. So here's, here's the question that I would have. Right, a little off topic, a little bit shifting gears, but that 2019 draft, you had the top three guys. Do you remember who they were? Zion, RJ Barrett. Was it Cam Reddish? Not top three, but Cam was also in that draft. Yes. Who was the third overall pick? No, no, no. Your next pick third. They took RJ. Who is the number two pick is what you're trying to figure out. He's an MVP candidate this year. Got a few seconds on the clock before I spoil it. Pretty good draft, by the way. A lot of these guys are, are very good. Oh, Ja. Ja, exactly. So, obviously, you were never going to get Zion or Ja. But looking back on that draft, right, and just, just to give you a couple of right things. after RJ, you had guys like DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland, who's falling out for the Cavs right now, surprise team in the East. Jared Culver's playing all right. Kobe White was obviously a cornerstone for the Bulls until they got Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, and yeah. DeMar Rosen. Uh, Jackson Hayes, Rui Achimura, Cam Reddish. Do you feel like Tyler Harrow's deeper in that, in that draft? Tyler Harrow's my guy. He's, a, he's a, and, and understandably, he's played his ass off. But do you feel like you the Knicks, the Knicks were a franchise who we were devastated. I was was I with you when we lost? No, I wasn't. I, you heard guys, guys like, like Chris Stapp and Granted, Grant, that's how great you guys. guys. Maybe not trade wise. Well, I, that, there's a deeper story to that, but keep going. When, when you, you heard, heard that name called, it was booze. Yeah. You, you heard, heard Frank Nittalino was booze. Yes. RJ Barrett was, was like, like, all right, we should have had the number one pick. But we, we didn't. didn't. Right. So we, so took, we took RJ. RJ. And, and now, three years, years later, later, we're looking, looking back, back at it like, damn, we got a 22-year-old. This guy could be a 25 point four. So, I wouldn't be surprised if you're telling me RJ averages – 25, 6, and 6. So, I know what right I, is my point. That's, that's what I'm trying to get, get at, at right here. We, so p- we picked, we picked. That happened, you have a cornerstone to build around. So, so the, the way, way we're in that draft, draft 
Mitchell Robinson also came to your team. Right, and we need to pay Mitchell Robinson to keep him. My, this is this – is, I get your point, and it's a very valid point. Like, we luck if we were going through the shit that we were going, that, that New Orleans is going through with Zion right now, it would just be like, all right, the next being Nick. This would be miserable. This is, I still am miserable as the next man. That's a different story. But listen to me. This is, this is the thing. The number one overall pick, yes, it was Zion, but it wasn't about Zion. Like, KP got traded because we ran him out of town. Like, Phil Jackson, your boy Phil Jackson. He brought him to New York, and he ran him right out of town. In that in that series of events, if the Knicks didn't run KP out of town, we paid him, and we had the number one pick, that is what everyone was banking on in terms of getting KD and Kyrie to New York. Everything that everything else that happened after that, yes, like we're in like we're in the best situation possible given what happened. But the but first, the first but having the first overall pick wasn't necessarily a, a, a Zion thing. I mean, it was, but it was it, it was being it was about being able to go to Kyrie and Katie, being like, we have Kristaps Porzingis, we have the number one overall draft pick. Who was Thibodeau wasn't the coach that? No, he wasn't. David Fisdale was still the coach that point. Like we, it, it was it was about putting lipstick on a pig and then going to the two hottest girls at the dance, being like, hey. I got, I got my dad's car and his credit card outside. Let's go have some fun in New York City. Right. I I don't know. I just I just feel like for all the bad that's happened to Knicks, if you wanted to have something to look at and say that was a success, right? That's that's your success right there. And as a like I, I, I agree, we're in, the, we're in the best, we're in the best of the worst situation. Right. And as opposed to looking back and being like, oh man, like. Uh, Julius isn't working out the way that we wanted him to work out. Like, no, Julius was never supposed to be what he was last year. Right. Julius was supposed to be a solid role player at best. The Knicks were trying to compile a team of solid so, role players to just be competitive and hang around as long as possible. Julius, what they wanted to do was hang in limbo. Right. They didn't want to be a playoff team. Right. The team that they constructed was not meant for that. It was meant to be middle of the pack, the if not lower third. That the lower half of the East is just such shit that we snuck in. Not even snuck in. You give yourself more credit than that. You guys played your way in. You played better basketball than you were supposed to. You were one of the better teams. In the second so the, so my theory... So the silver uh, lining here, it's RJ. RJ is... RJ and Mitchell Robinson. RJ and Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson... Mitchell Robinson is a seven-foot big man. He take, he gets down 10 rebounds a game and patrols the middle of the floor. I'm telling you from someone who watches the game, someone who bet – I have to stop doing it. I'm probably not going to stop doing it. I bet on the Knicks consistently, and I bet the over on Mitchell Robinson having the over in, in rebounds. It hits every goddamn game. He is the patro- – he, he patrols the middle, and he makes, it, he, he makes guys shoot outside. I, I agree with you. We, RJ falling in our laps – is the, is best, the best of a worst situation. situation. I, I'm I, with you on that 150%. Yeah. I just... Well, my point is not just that he fell to you. He didn't fall to you. He, that's where he was projected to go. Right. But my point is that he... Don't, he's like, not in, a bad... All, no, he's not a bad clutter, consolation pick. In all this clutter, don't forget that he's your focus. He's your cornerstone. Right. Like holds around him. Right. Support him. Don't worry about building a team to win this year or even next year. So worry about building a team that's going to win three or four years. So do you? That's your trajectory. So do you remember the 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 timeline of events of when Julius Randle got signed? 
We gave we gave Julius Randle a three-year, $63 million deal. In the middle of his first year, COVID hit. So from March all the way back around until Christmas of that year, Julius Randle was in Texas working out, getting better. Like, like, like the team that didn't go to the bubble that year, were, they, they got the best get possible. Unlimited time off to just work on themselves. It, that is what, that is what kick-started Julius Randle having the year that he did, which made him as valuable as, as it did. That was the biggest thing with him. That's what gave it to him. And now he's like slowly coming back to earth. Of like, okay, he's not, he's like, he, he's not, he's not the superstar that we thought he was on the trajectory to be. Like, he's been Julius Randle. He did, he did great then, but now he's coming back to earth a little bit. So, somebody told you last year, hey, we think Julius might be a superstar, like a bona fide superstar, 25 points. 10 rebounds, five assists a game. You would have believed that? I wouldn't have believed dude, that. I, dude, do you want my – I swear on our – I would believe that he can do that brother, for 10 games at a time. Brother, you want to, not for a whole – You want to hear my – I swear to God, my God honest opinion? Yeah. I would have said that – it's not going to be for the next. The next is going to fuck it up somehow. Right. Like, dude, I, I – I, I Maybe he is that guy, just not with the Knicks. Dude, he was – like, we we – Overpaid him in the worst fucking. I'm not talking about this contract extension. He's an amazing number three guy on the championship team. Right, he's not the guy. He's not even number two. Right, you can't go into you like. Uh, let's say you put him on the next next to Kevin Durant, and we don't have Kyrie or James Harden. The Nets aren't going to win a championship with 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 Julius and KD. He's a solid number three. Here, here's, a, here's how you get. Here's how you get. Here's how you get to the, the championship this year. Because this is how. The, enough shitting on my team. Because my team is horrible. We, like we, I, I wake up tomorrow, so don't let me get. But guess what? You can now. You, you, you're in the market for a point guard that can play at home, right? Spencer Dinwiddie. Something like that. Spencer Dinwiddie. He's he's hated. Probably should have never gotten rid of him. He's hate, he's hated by his team in Washington. You can have Julius. I'll give you Julius Randle and box of donuts for fucking first round pick. I'll give you I'll give him for Kyrie so I just strictly get his money off the books. Dude. I wasn't a huge fan of uh, of Spence. Really? He he always had a, a pompous cocky he sure about him. Like he wanted Dude, his whole thing was Kyrie, you know, go ahead. Do you know that when Spencer Dinwiddie was in Brooklyn, he wanted to create the equivalent of a stock market? This is what I was going to ask you. Like, you. like, you own a percentage of Spencer Dinwiddie Incorporated. And as that player plays well, like Julius Randle last year. It increases his stock. Season, yeah, yeah, yeah. You buy low at the end of the season when he's most improved. That's just what I was going to ask you about. You buy high, or you sell high, I should say. He wanted to do that. And, and I think that his objectives have always been bigger than basketball because of the chip that he carries on his shoulder being someone. I remember he wanted, he was like one of the first athletes that wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's a smart guy. But I think sometimes that intellectual side of him kind of supersedes his basketball ability. And what it really does for him is just make him look like an asshole. I'm not a huge fan of Spencer Dinwiddie. I honestly couldn't even tell you how he's been playing this year. So I can't say whether or not he would be a good addition to the Nets. He got the highlight of him this year, aside from getting broken off, he got into a scuffle with Montrez Harold in the locker room in like at the halftime of the game. And they had to be separated. And now, now these reports are coming out saying that, you know, he's not liked by his teammates and like they want to move him. 
I don't think he's movable with that contract. Probably not. No. That's another thing to watch. I guess. All right. I mean, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get to our last topic of the night. I think. Put a little bow on it. Put a little bow on it, and that is your guy, James Harden. Uh, when I got here, I got here. Uh, this, I got here tonight, ready to record. Jose told me that he had some shit, that he had some shit ready to talk about with James Harden. So, Jose, without further ado, I'm going to give you the floor, and uh, so, and let me hear it. So we're in um, we're in a really weird position as Nets fans because one of your players knocked up Lana Rhodes. Because of a couple of things. You got Kevin Durant out. He's hurt. You got James Harden. One week it's the hamstring. The next week it's the hand. He's questionable to play against the Warriors. He winds up not playing. It's two hours before tip-off when they make that decision. He had a brace on and his And now we're playing, we're playing the game tomorrow, and he's questionable for that game too. With the, with I, the hand I, injury? With the hand injury. I looked into it to make sure it's not the hammy that's still bothering him. It's the hand injury. So, and then you obviously have Kyrie, who's a part-time player. And there were reports that were leaked last week that James Harden is going to go to Philly and he might be the, the most hated Philadelphia 76er of all time. And I don't really care about that side of the story. But what I do care about is the fact that this guy's still under contract with my Brooklyn Nets. And seemingly he doesn't have the care or the motivation to try and put his best foot forward every single game possible in order to be able to, to help the Nets give them the best chance of winning a couple games to try and get back into the number two or at least number one seed. I, I just don't understand what's going on with him. It seems like he's being very wishy-washy with us. It seems like he's non-committal towards his future. Like you're getting like the Houston Rockets treatment that he gave them later before they traded. I him. feel like I feel like I'm getting the Houston Rockets treatment that that he was giving them, and I think that it's only a matter of time before they start shopping him privately. This might all be a ploy. James might be absolutely miserable. This would be my conspiracy worst case scenario. He's getting he's he's done. He doesn't want to play for us anymore. And now he's essentially leaving it up to the Nets to say, hey, I'm either going to sit out or you're going to trade me. But we're not going to make it public so that my, my price isn't too high for another team. Because once you tell people that he wants out, once you tell people that he wants to leave, that price is going to go way down. It's a Ben Simmons type of situation. So I get it. I get it wholeheartedly where you're like disheartened with it. Hey, and like... I I, I I agree with you. I, I, I 100% see where you're coming from. I I was with you up until you said the Ben Simmons thing. Besides the like, I'm not. I I I, I think I think wholeheartedly like Katie comes back and almost like uh, like it, it, you and me when the, when the when the substitute teacher was in when the substitute teacher was in the classroom we owned the classroom like we, like students students in that classroom like they knew what they could get away with and what they could. I almost feel like if Katie comes back, it'll restore order to the locker room a little bit, and like James will be, and like he'll be like, "Yo, fuck yeah!" I hope it's just so. Man, it's like, I, I think that I think that's all you need. But I'm going to tell you why that if you trade it, it, trading James Harden and trading Ben Simmons are two completely different things. The biggest thing about it, James Harden has already been traded, and he's been traded for a fucking fall. So he has that, and it was that was only last year. So he has that 
the Nets have that to say, like, hey, we paid this for this guy a year, a year and a half ago. Like, this is what we paid for him. Also, another thing too, Harden, Harden is a free agent at the end of at the end of next year. I'm sorry, at the end of this year. So it's not like it, like it, it, he has the idea that the the idea around him could be. Yeah, Yo, I'm not saying this would happen, but the Lakers could, in theory, trade for him saying, "Okay, we want him. For, we want him for a four month rental. We want to. We want to compete for a championship with him, and then we're done with." Not that you want them to, because the Lakers can't offer you shit. But like, I think if if it if it deteriorates that enough, like I think the I think the the trade deadline is like the tenth or something. Like we're ten days away from it, so it's going to get interesting. Next week, next week we should have a lot to talk about. I think that you're in. I, if, you, if they go to the direction of wanting to trade James Harden, then they both just like, and, and both sides are just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's get you out of here before we fucking lose you for nothing. I think that your return will be okay. I think that it's not a Ben Simmons thing. I'm not so worried about the return. Okay. I don't even want to think that far ahead. Right. Where I'm at right now is you put those three guys on the court, they've played something like 17 games together, and they're like 14 and three. You put those three guys on the court for a seven-game series, which, oh, by the way, we had at the beginning of the Bucks series last year in the conference semifinals, we would have gone to the NBA finals, and we would have won easily if all three, go- three of those guys are healthy. So I am asking for two things. Number one, I'm asking for James Harden to find a way, shape, and form to go talk to a fucking therapist because he needs to be mellowed the hell out and be convinced that this isn't a do-all, be-all, end-all in Brooklyn. And number two, I'm asking for some patience because I want Kevin Durant to come back. I want Kyrie Irving to be a a part-time player, and I want James Harden to be a full-time player. And I want the Nets to realize their full potential. And, oh, by the way, we're also missing Joe Harris, and Joe Harris is a big part of our – What's wrong with him? Uh, some sort of, sort of long-term injury. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but he's been out for a while now, okay. and he will be coming back. So I just as a as a wouldn't you ra- like? I know I know it's not ideal, but like, wouldn't you rather that this happens now as opposed to like in March or April when you guys are gearing up for a fucking for, for a playoff run? Like you guys are going to the playoffs. Like that's one thing that's like definitely happening. Like it's quickly I, sinking. You quickly see one seed to three seed, right? But you're still there. Is my point. So, like, I almost feel like wouldn't you wouldn't you rather have this happen now, like get it out of the way, let let James have his hit. You bet around, little kids. Like you know that, like when they're in like a when they're in like a meltdown, nothing stopping them until they're just done. And, and I don't want to equivalent a grown man to a kid, but like if it's burning, you just got to let it burn until there's nothing left. Then you sift through the thing. You sift through the remains and you figure out what the best course to act. If James is, if, if James Harden is having his like, fuck you, I want to leave and I don't want anything else to let him, let, let him burn for a little bit. Let him get out of the system. And then they'll be like, listen, you're God at the end of this year. You, you literally control your own destiny. Rock with us for a, rock with us for a championship. And then if it happens, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, and then the truth of the matter is, if all three of them are healthy, nobody's gonna stop them. Right, it's not gonna happen. But you got you, dude. I I don't I I I want you to do well. I really do. I just a, a card just went by with flashing lights. I don't really know what's up. Um, 
Kyrie, Ky- Kyrie is your next biggest headache because if, if, if game seven against the Bucs in the Eastern Conference Championship is at oh, Jose's batteries just like, come over here and let's just let's finish the end of this. You can hear me over here. This one's not. That one's not? All right. So, like, your next biggest headache is Kyrie if he doesn't – what's it called? If, he, if you know, he's got – if game seven is at Brooklyn – and you don't have Kyrie, like how, like that could be horrible. Right. And, and I would almost argue, I don't even know. I feel like we might even be better off on the road. We, we might not even need to be in Brooklyn because we saw what happened in Brooklyn. Right. I mean, granted, we had some injuries, but we were a Kevin Durant toe away from making it to the NBA finals. Right. And Big Ed was in the stands for that, right? Big Ed and my mom. Maybe well, you know what? I'll make that the picture of this uh, of the uh, of this pod. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jose's battery dying. His headset means that it's time for us to wrap this up. This is, dude. This has been awesome. Sangria Mondays, baby. Sangria Mondays. All right. Yeah, I think we. I think we got to set a thing we're gonna do next episode here. Also, hopefully, it won't last till one o'clock in the morning. Also. Um, I, I, dude, I'm exhausted, but I love this. Has been awesome. Let us know what you think. Drop a comment down below. Like and subscribe. Um, you know, come in, see Sangria seventy one. Say what's up to Jose. Don't show. tell us what we didn't hit on that we should. Tell us what you don't like. We want input. We want you guys. There's to a like million it. things going on in sports every single week. Yeah, like left- beyond baseball, basketball, football. You know, there's, there's a shit ton of things going on every single week. Let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know what you think. Let us let us know what we can do better. Let us know if the let us know if the audio really pisses you off the way it pisses us off. <laughs> there you go. So, we, we, next week we'll have Super Bowl projections. We'll have NBA trade deadline wrap up. Hopefully, we'll have something else cool to talk about. Jose, this has been this has been a great show, man. Anything else to say to the people before we cash out and we go home? Send us to bed, Timmy. All right. We'll see you guys next week. We love you guys. Hit the music.